In manufacturing, even the smallest advantages can make a world of difference for both your customers and your bottom line. At MSC Industrial Supply, we have more than 75 years of experience improving metalworking operations from start to finish, providing the latest tools from trusted brands and innovative solutions that drive productivity and reduce costs. From planning to milling to finishing and more, MSC Metalworking Specialists are ready to help you every step of the way. How can we make you better today? Learn more at mscdirect.com. In manufacturing, even the smallest advantages can make a world of difference for both your customers and your bottom line. At MSC Industrial Supply, we have more than 75 years of experience improving metalworking operations from start to finish, providing the latest tools from trusted brands and innovative solutions that drive productivity and reduce costs. From planning to milling to finishing and more, MSC Metalworking Specialists are ready to help you every step of the way. How can we make you better today? Learn more at mscdirect.com. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, if you're into that. Chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary in U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. Who still remembers Pampiro Furpo? Who booked the screw job in Montreal? Who has a good friend named Weasel Dooley? Everyone knows it's corny. Who managed Bobby Eaton and Condry? Who managed Stan Lane and Dr. Tom? Sick and tired of Kenny Olivier Everyone knows it's corny Who took a shoot, fought off of the scaffolding Who bled a gusher in a white suit Who said Ronnie Garvin went up like the challenger Everyone knows it's corny It's Jim Cornette's drive He'll answer questions from you And he won the pony too Thank you, fuck you, bye 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 Hello again, friends! And you are our friends, and welcome back to another edition of Jim Cornette's drive Through right here on another winter day. It may feel like spring, but I assure you it is not. I'm your host, the great Brian Last. Lots of your questions today, plus a review of a very interesting Monday Night Raw last night with this man, the star of the drive-thru, Mr. Jim Cornette. I don't even know where to start. First, it may feel like spring. It feels like shit to me. I've just finished telling you we're having freakish weather here again. It's constantly 60 degrees for a couple of days while it pours rain. And then suddenly, a day or two later, it's fucking 30 degrees and it's snow flurrying. And the other day it was sunny, but it was 30 degrees. But every time it warms up, it's goddamn soggy and mucky and messy and muddy and wet and bleh. So I got that going for me here. And then I just uh, just had been running around for reasons I will tell you here momentarily. And blew my nose to do this program, and now I was bleeding moments before we went on the air. I could, I could 
suddenly drop over and have some kind of stroke or bleed out right here at the microphone with the world listening. That's how I suffer for my art here. And you got the nerve to welcome people and be all cheery and everything. You know what I got going on downstairs? I got electrical outlets that don't have no electrical. I got plugs that that you can plug into, but they won't return the love. Not all of them. That could be explained. Just a few of them. Now, there was a <laughs> sub-panel breaker tripping. Do you think this happened because you've abused your plug privileges here on the show? Too many plugs? No, so now- no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm supposed to have unless like the other, when I got the new website and I told Hotchkiss, give me unlimited server. I got all the server. I got all the electrical here. I got panels and sub panels and breakers and sub breakers. I've got several, two main breaker boxes, a sub panel at each end of the house. And and I think one in the middle for good measure. And and the the contractor, you remember my contractor, Lloyd Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, right. He sent you a wish. picture. He sent a picture of his finger pointing at the breaker that he is in question over to the electrician who is going to be evaluating that picture of his finger pointing to the fucking issue to see is this the problem and he's going to be contacting us again but we're a couple of two or three of the play i don't know and sometimes they come on sometimes they're not and then the other way we're almost ready to hang the big 85 inch television on the wall in there cleaning up in the one room getting ready to clean up in the other room but we we need the power we need the electricity we need the juice and speaking of juice have I mentioned to you lately that I have Spectrum Internet service and they are thieves and liars and robbers and incompetents? No, you have not mentioned that lately. Well, I should, because you don't you would have been horrified, mortified, terrified, fried, died, and laid to the side, as Butch Reed used to say. If what happened to me yesterday, if you had known to be I'm revealing this to you on the air for the very first time. Because you're always you're you're Brian, you're 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 dedicated and motivated to the sound quality of the program, and you've invested a lot of money up there, and you've made me invest very little money down here. But I've tried with these internet people to get the optimum service. I told Spazzy, give her all she's got, Captain. I'm paying for the one gig, and boy, I'm really getting gigged. I'm getting gigged from asshole to appetite by Spectrum. But a year or so ago, we had them come in here, and they were the guy was here for hours, as we mentioned on, on many of the. You can see the hear the clips on YouTube. Guy was here for hours, talked to several of their representatives on the phone. Nobody get their shit together. Somebody was supposed to call me. They got me up to the five hundred mig that I'm I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be getting the gig. And he thought somebody will call you a, a tactical team. Because it felt like SWAT was going to come in the fucking castle and goddamn grapple hook off my roof. And, of course, they never did. I've never heard anything from them. And, and I get regularly like about a third of the, uh, or about 30%. I'm around about, last time you had me download the upload and check the speed of the Snavitz as it went through the Furnum, it was, what, about 300 Thereabouts. 
I'm asking you a question. The here. last time you did it? it? The last time that you had me check it, it was two or 300 or something. We finally got it up to 300 something, but I think the last time we checked it, it was like 100 something. And then we. Oh, no, that's after we unplugged some shit from the wall at the other end of the house that's and plugged right. it back in and yes. did everything. So I, but I'm supposed to be getting the gig. I get about two or 300 MIGs. And uh, so that's about 20 or 30% of what I'm paying these Spectrum criminals for. <laughs> Yesterday, I get up, I, Twitter, I click on Twitter, which would seem to be a fairly easy, it's not like it's a goddamn major download, right? And then, rah, 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 it's taking forever. It's turning, it's turning. And then I say, God damn it. And I try to get on my Yahoo. And, I try, and, and everything's just taken for fucking ever. I said, well, let me try to run this speed test. And I ran the speed test for my one gig internet. And take a wild guess as to what my download speed registered at that very moment. I don't know. Uh, 300. You are incorrect. Guess again. 400. You, you're going in the wrong direction. Guess again. That's what I was afraid of. 150. Go guess again. Guess again. Uh, 125. Guess again. 95? Keep going. <laughs> oh, come on. 50? You're almost there. Oh. <laughs> 35. Not quite. 30? Just a little bit more. <laughs> 33? No, no, no. You're wrong direction again. Oh, oh, a little bit more that was. Uh, I'll tell you. Yeah, please. Eight. Eight. I even I. I've never even seen that. How's that That's possible? what I was going to say. Even I, a mere novice <laughs> at this game of the internet, a mere novice in this in this ploy that they provide you of eight. And the what's what's the other one? The upload was like twenty two or what? I don't know. It's usually about forty. And. So I immediately, I said, well, if I guess something else needs to be unplugged and plugged back. But first, I walked away from it for a while because it was very early in the morning. And then I unplugged the stuff and plugged it back in and said, I don't want to look at this. And then I came back to it and it uh, had, you know, and also my I had had an, something updated or something. And then it acted normal which is still the shits. It's still like about, you know, 200 and something. Yeah. When you say normal, so about, you mean you're normal. Normally about a quarter of what I'm paying for. Uh, like you get with spectrum, you get about 25% of the service, the quality, the convenience and the fucking anything else that you expect that you pay for. I just thought I'd bring that up, but you ate. Eight. eight. Imagine what the podcast would sound like with that. Yeah, I sound like Neil Armstrong coming from that. <laughs> one small drip tip for man, one flying bill for mankind. But I tell you, we got to have the, the the snappy internet over here at the castle because Hotchkiss is is using this and did use this. Yeah, the other day it worked fine, as as was evidenced by all the satisfied customers at Cameo. He plugs into the Wi-Fi here. Uh, and, and, and uses that 
to uh, connect to the telephone, to send to the cameo people, where, however the fuck they, they do the things that they do to fulfill these cameo. It's a whole process. All I do is stand there and talk. But he, he plugs into the Wi-Fi here. So it was working then, and it'll work again by gum for the people who got shut out of the cameos that we, unfortunately for some or fortunately for others, namely me, sold out of in an hour and five minutes on the other day for the St. Valentine's Day mass of cameos for the people that got left out. Uh, we are doing one more round, limited to 80 again, on Saturday, March the 4th at noon Eastern time. Saturday, March 4th at noon Eastern time. You can go to cameo.com slash Jim Cornette, or you can just go to jimcornette.com and click on the cameo button on the front page and it'll take you right to it and we're going to try to make up to everybody that got left out for i hate leaving people disappointed hang in there a cliffhanger even so we don't want to do that anymore but you will not be left disappointed between now and then if you go to jimcornette.com and uh avail yourself of the opportunity at the fine cornets collectibles merchandise store as well as all the wonders that the website entails but the feather bottoms are waiting to serve you and also you can sign up as i mentioned on my show the experience brian here a couple days ago and you scoffed at me hotchkiss feather bottom came up with this great invention called oh, an email blast not this again where- come on and no, I'm trying to tell the people who some people only listen to your show. I don't know. They're they're on an iron lung in a hospital somewhere. Can't get up and change channel. But they're on an iron lung, not in it. On it, in it. Well, they're riding that thing as far as that horse will go. <laughs> what does it look like, an iron uh, lung? It's a giant tube-like structure, as opposed to a box-like structure, or you know, <laughs> but it's a giant tube-like structure. I believe it has leaded glass, so it's unbreakable, but you can see through it. You can see the individual that's in it, and it it sounds like <laughs> kind of like that. Have you seen one in person? Well, yeah, I was in one. I'll I'll, I'll tell you that off the air. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was, it was rough back then in those days. Oh, I tell you. And, and that's what it sounded like. Mama Cornette almost pulled the plug. <laughs> but anyway, so, but nevertheless, he came up with this thing called an email blast where he can send the same email to just a bunch of different people at the same time. And when we've been coming up with these like limited things that we have in the warehouse as he's been going through and counting and sorting, and we got this. Fancy Dan inventory feature now. If I have 36 of something we used to sell five years ago or 40, in the case of this, it was the behind the curtain hardcovers that we had uh, about 40 scratch and dings with blunted corners and we had 20 nice ones that I'd saved back. And if you have ordered from Cornette's Collectibles over this past year that Hotchkiss has been administrating this thing, then you get the email and you get first crack at some of this stuff that we find that we've only got a few things of and haven't put it out for mass release. Or you can go to jimcornette.com and sign up at the bottom where it says official newsletter. If you put your email address in there, then every time we get one of these things, you get first crack at it. Before and Actually, we never promoted this on the website because they were or on the podcast because they were all gone by the time we recorded a show. So anyway. 
But it's it's an ama- another amazing innovation from this technological wizard here. He's very innovative. He's a genius when it comes. Who would have thought of something like that? Sending out a, the same email to all kinds of people at the same time. It, it saves me a, an incredible amount of time for, you know, when I would used to have to try to do that, one at a time would be too time consuming. I don't know what's worse, you believing this or the fact that this guy's trying to fool some old man into believing that he what invented. Old, wait a minute, what old that man? That he invented the mass email. My, 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 grand, my grandpa John ain't living here anymore. Who are you talking about over here? Yeah, I got this wrestling legend. Watch me fool. Watch me fool him into thinking I invented email. Watch this. This guy's playing you for a sucker. No, he told me months ago that he didn't really invent email. He just had the trademark for it, but he got screwed out of it. By who? The fucking Mr. Goddamn Yahoo now. Whoever's got the email trademark. Mr. Yahoo. You're still on Yahoo. We kind of went right past that. You still use Yahoo? It's, it's 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 brand new news when I click on it every day. It says Yahoo, and then it says the news. Yahoo. All right. And there's there's brand new news from today, so I guess they're still operating. You know, we had a breaking news update during your show, The Experience. It has now been shot down. What are your thoughts on the Chinese spy balloon? And the controversy well, about when to shoot it down. Well, now what, but here's the thing. They had to wait. Why you can't shoot it down over goddamn Salisbury, North Carolina or whatever, because what's in it? If it would fall and, you know, boy, that'd be a case for Stephen P. New. Yeah. If they'd poisoned half of the state of North Carolina. You don't know what the, what's in these balloons. It could have been a decoy. Could have been a Trojan balloon. Because as a matter of fact, has anybody looked into where they make the Trojan condoms these days? Because I don't think we ought to trust those either. But you don't think you should trust? The, what, what does that have to do with? What does one thing have to do with the other? Well, it's a Trojan horse or a Trojan. It's not very far from a Trojan balloon to a Trojan condom. So you have a problem with the condoms themselves, or the fact that they've been branded and named after? Something that I guess would open up and reveal an army that would be there to kill you. Is that what yes, you're saying? It, these condoms? It, it, it's like it's like naming them swerve condoms. <laughs> you're out of <laughs> See, that's an idea we could run with. Swerve you're, condoms. You're, you're buying something that automatically you shouldn't trust. And the Trojan horse didn't work out well for them fucking other people, whoever they were the For who? Who was it? The goddamn <laughs> The Trojans and the the horses. I can't remember. I'm just an old man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were speaking about the spy balloon. So why would you trust this? So the spy balloon. So they waited till it was over the water and then they... But, I mean, it's not like... What is this goddamn balloon going to learn that a space satellite that is up there in the sky from almost every technologically advanced country is not seeing you can fucking type in a goddamn place on on main street in fucking owensboro kentucky now and you can get a satellite picture of whoever's sitting on the front porch it's ridiculous so i don't think a balloon is necessarily going to fucking reveal any big fucking uh unheard of news for any country at this point but i i am in agreement that they shouldn't have shot the thing down over 
Ma and Pa Kettle's farm until they figured out what was in it. That might be invite. And then, because then what are the, the Chinese can say, well, fuck, it didn't hurt anybody till you shot it down. That may have been what they were going for. Yeah, we don't know what happens if you actually release anthrax at 60,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 or for fuck's sake, even goddamn uh, uh, a stink bomb. Who knows? I don't know. Well, that has been the spy balloon update for everyone looking for news here on the show. Yeah. Well, speaking of news. I'm looking for a noose. Don't do that. Not yet. I'm going to put it around your neck, but hey. I'm looking for one. Hey, leave me alone. Well, before the bullying continues here on the show this week, Jim, let's talk about a weekly bullying effort that's been taking place for 30 years now, Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and of course, they had a packed show, a sold-out show. It appeared from Orlando, Florida last night. Well, hold on now, cowboy. Um, I didn't catch the, if it's the same arena that they were in back in WrestleMania of 2017 in Orlando, they, the ring was at the end and they tarped the end off and put the curtain over. I mean, it's sold out for their setup, but what does that arena hold for basketball versus the crowd they had? Maybe somebody can do that math and we can figure out whether it was really sold out or not. Because it looked to me like they'd they'd done the old trick of staggering the ring down to the end of the arena. Nevertheless, it was the Amway Center. Amway Center. What? That's that's the NBA arena now, right? So how many people did they have in what has to seat sixteen to eighteen thousand people? It's amazing people supported Amway to the point where they got the money to buy a fucking arena. I anyway. do. Well, Paul Paul Jones, if he was still alive, would have got the last laugh. He was an Amway salesman. Of, back in the eighties, I believe that's what it was. In some, it was one of those sales things, and I believe I heard the name Amway. It wasn't as famous then, or as recognized as it is now. So I didn't pay too much attention. But he had Paul had his license plate in the eighties on his car was two dash five Y R S. At two to five years, right? I said one day I asked him, I said, Paul, what does that mean? He said, Oh, it's a it's a goal I have in my other business. I don't know if that was Amway or whatever the fuck it was, but Did any wrestlers sell Tupperware in the locker room? Um, no, but you know somebody that got people heavily into air and water filtration systems for the whole <laughs> Good, good job. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and Adrian Street. <laughs> Actually talked me into having some of them for my home. Uh, anyway, uh, so before anybody gets the idea that I'm going to knock Raw, the, the Raw that contained the greatest Raw segment, the epitome of a Raw segment of all, of all time, baby, or we'll discuss where it ranks. Wow. I'm not going to knock the whole show. I'm just going to knock almost everything else besides that. Because <laughs> if people that loved that, it may have, if that hadn't been on this show, would we have had a contender for all-time stink bomb? If that hadn't been on the show, I probably yeah. would have called you at around 11 and said, hey, can we just record tomorrow? There's nothing really happening. Let's just wait till tomorrow. There's nothing yeah, to talk yeah. about. There's more violence on the Oscars these days than there is. <laughs> Remember Raw is War when they came up with that 
When somebody realized that Raw written backwards is war and they were having a promotional war, it was the greatest, you know, oh, duh. Uh, But Raw is war was great, right? Raw is talk at three hours is, we're going to go through this. We're going to go through this. Uh, Keep me succinct if if I drone on as long as some of this programming did. But again, the the overarching theme of this discussion on this program is going to be again proven what we've been saying is that the stars, the the entrances, and the drama is what they have put the emphasis on in this company to the point where that's the only thing people care about that are coming to watch this and the matches are getting in the fucking way. And this, go ahead. Too many matches with people that fans don't care enough about. Well, I wouldn't even, on this show, I wouldn't even say too many matches. There was some people I didn't care about, but there, as, I'm going to break this down for you. But we start with star power. And again, this is, I know that uh, there's been injuries involved and et cetera, and it's the WrestleMania season. The stars would come back anyway, but they're getting as many stars back as they can get back. And Edge and Beth Phoenix come out right at the, at the uh, top of the program and they're over. And I love <laughs> Beth did her pose and she got in the ring, but edge said, fuck it again. I'm standing Steve in Memphis. Cause nobody's in a rush on this program to get in the ring and start talking. They know they got all the time in the world. So he's doing selfies with the crowd and handshakes and he glad handing, but he's over. <laughs> he slapped her on the ass twice. After the second time, she said, don't do that again. <laughs> I, I didn't see that. I was <laughs> jotting things down. I didn't see that. <laughs> well, maybe twice was enough. And then they did a VTR package where they they told the story from last October with the VTR package, or last October on, where Edge had quit within the I Quit match because Rhea had Beth at her mercy and was going to smash her head with a chair and then smashed her head with a chair anyway. And then Edge and Beth come back at the Rumble, so we're up to date on that. Meanwhile, they're standing in the ring, though. I mean, you said it like they weren't just introduced with their music playing, and then they get like a minute and a half video package, and they're just standing in the ring waiting for it to end. Oh, yeah. Well, that's better than the people that come out and and do their entrance before the break, and then the package, and then the fucking announcer on camera, and et cetera, and have to stand there for five minutes or more. Remember, we counted one 12 minutes one time. Somebody was out there, was just standing there. Uh, But again, if we'd have put on a live event like this 25 years ago, the people would have asked for their money back. But now it's accepted because there's, there's, they know they're going to see a television show shot rather than, again, whether you like it or not, in the Attitude Era, which is what everybody you know refers back to, the people going to see Raw live knew they were going to see some shit right there in front of them go down, right? <laughs> there's going to be some chaos. Well, this is a lot of entering and a lot of standing there while VTRs play on the screen and a lot of in-ring promos. And again, if we'd done that years ago, but now this is what the show is. It's almost become the South Park 
WTF Federation, you know, with the spotlight and the curtain opens and then the, the scene begins. Yeah, all right, all right, let's uh, continuing. Edge is in the ring doing a promo about Judgment Day. And he said, of course, he started it, so it's his fault. He wanted to elevate talent, and it worked. They're all bigger stars, but obviously didn't work for him. But when he mentioned all the names, did you notice Ripley got the pop? I didn't expect that, actually. It, it, she, you know, he mentioned Finn Balor's name. He mentioned Damian Priest's name. He mentioned Rhea, and that was there was the noticeable pop. And Dominic got the booze. I noticed. And that Dominic, too. yeah, and then and then and he kind of slept off with Dom, which he should because there that thing is working. Uh, but anyway, he told the story at Edge, as we mentioned. He does it well and naturally. He's got inflection. He's got cadence, as Dutch Mantel used to call it, where he's not just robotically delivering memorized lines he has some emotion and passion in it where you think he's trying to mean it and then beth you know broke in and started to make a challenge and judgment day music and here comes dominic and damien and finn no ripley she you know she's doing uh traveling the world or whatever doing publicity but again <sighs> As soon as Dominic speaks, people are on him. He's talking about, you know, I've done a hard time. That that whole thing, you pussy. It, they've hit on the, you know, even though it was an unbelievable angle which led to him going to jail, that's not in front of him every week, the people. What's in front of him is him crying like a fucking pussy because he was in jail for fucking three hours or whatever the case. So the fans are all over him, but then... And I always like Priest promos, and he's, sound, he's got a man's voice. And he started talking and started trying to challenge for something and got lost and couldn't remember the name of the Elimination Chamber and thought it was money in the bank, but cut himself off. And I felt so <laughs> bad for him. And then he just said, I, Edge, I hate you so bad that I can't even think. I can't even talk. I can't even <laughs> talk. I'm so mad. I can't even speak. That was something to watch live because it became qu it became quickly apparent that he was struggling and it it was seconds, but it felt like it was going on for a while. Yeah, oh, I guarantee it was three years for him because I've I've done no, I've and I'm I'm laughing because I I identify and it's live TV and I've seen people do it and I've done a bit of it. I don't know if I've ever gone that far around the bend before, but. It will say, and or even when you're just in the segment and somebody else is doing it, time just suddenly <sighs> slows down, and then suddenly it's oh my god. Uh, but anyway, um, Edge got it, he jumped back in and just and got him back on track. But I still wasn't at that point aware of exactly what they were asking for, so then thankfully, uh, Beth was able to bring some clarity to us when she said that Ripley wasn't there tonight because she speared her soul out of her body last week and she came to beat her ass. But not here, if it can't be here, how about Edge and Beth against Finn and Maria at the Elimination Chamber? And I agree with that because Finn's got to be there to do the job. And, uh, and I bet you he can at least remember the name of the show. So the promos will be all right. Uh, but then Judgment Day says, okay, if you make it to the Elimination Chamber. And 
Okay, there's nothing the matter with the dramatic foreshadowing, and they start menacing around the ring. It was a little slow-motion menace. But then the uh, priest and Finn jumped Edge, and Beth chased Dom out of the ring. (laughs) And here comes music and all Daryl Dawkins of the Street Profits. And he comes down and dumps Clothesline's priest out, and Edge hits the spear on Finn, and then Dominic's run back, but Montez Ford comes out and chucks him into the ring. And Beth, I'd forgotten that's uh, Jane Cargill stole the Glam Slam for her finish from Beth. That's her finish from years back, right? I guess so. Yeah. Well, there you will. Beth gave Dom the glam slam, which is now, I guess, the Jane Cargill clomp or whatever it is. And uh, boom. And we go to the break with all the excitement. But we're 16 minutes into the program. And only two or three of that was Damien Priest trying to remember the name of the... It got to point across. It it wasn't as laborious as as it would get later on. Uh, but it seems like that nobody ex- again. When I first got into business, one of the first things that you were told when you were doing television was, "Do you know how valuable television time is? Every minute you get, if you if you had to buy a minute on TBS on Saturday night at seven thirty, or if you had to whatever." So make it count when you're on television, on your promos, or the if you've got a squash match, you've only got three or four minutes or less or whatever. Do your shit. Get over, right? And it seems like that nobody's in any urgency to get to a point or to, to even put enough energy in these things. Nobody really comes out fucking fighting mad. <laughs> they have to go through... 10 minutes of back and forth that the writers have apparently prepared that makes all this make sense somehow. Instead of showing some fucking emotion, getting to the goddamn point and getting something done before people get tired of listening to you drone on and then get a goddamn match in the ring if they want to see. And then repeat that procedure over and over. Instead of the fucking goddamn, it's like an act in, or an act, a play in, Three one-hour acts, practically. Am I just am I just grumpy because I've watched three hours of talk to see the one greatest segment in the history of the show? I think it's just you're used to what Raw is and what SmackDown is. I mean, both shows, this is three hours as opposed to two hours, but they're formatted the same kind of way. And it's easy to get sick of this kind of wrestling if you watch it a couple times in a row. Well, anyway... So we go to the break, we come back, and the Elimination Chamber qualifier between Damian Priest and Daryl Dawkins of the Street Profits, how how convenient. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? It's already going on, but it's so important that they go back to a VTR of during the break where Pierce kicks everybody out of ringside with his audio and everything, just mostly covering up the match. And this was the one match... I think they showed a bit of, I believe, you know, it, it, I can't even remember because I stopped noticing whether they went to a break or, or I didn't start noticing at that point whether they went to a break in the middle of it or not. But uh, 
Priest finally choke slammed him one, two, three. We're 31 minutes into the show, and we've seen the opening live promo and this match that was. Did anybody think that Dawkins instead of Priest was going into the elimination chamber? No. I will say it was a pretty good match, despite that big caveat there. And it hit me despite the stutter step in his promo. But looking at his presence, hearing his voice, and then seeing him here, after Judgment Day, they really, while there's still time, they need to do something with Damian Priest. Well, hopefully, will you say after Judgment Day, I mean, hopefully they've still got some mileage there left, and and I'm pretty sure they know that, that they should do something with him. But they're not using him as a, not that he's to be a top guy, but he's not even the top guy in the Judgment Day. Well, that's uh, that's the problem is I think they've placed too much emphasis in Finn being the veteran. That's why he he took the place of Edge as the veteran. And yes, he's uh, technically brilliant, but they've used him like a low wattage bulb for a while and I it just it's not new. This it uh, Buddy Roberts didn't age the Freebirds because Buddy being the fucking wild crazy lunatic you know, that he was, was kind of ageless and lo- always looked mostly the same. But I think something like this, it's young people. I wish they had a younger guy there. Uh, if if it couldn't be Edge, who, as we said, kind of made the whole thing work because of the personality and the force of of that. But anyway... In manufacturing, even the smallest advantages can make a world of difference for both your customers and your bottom line. At MSC Industrial Supply, we have more than 75 years of experience improving metalworking operations from start to finish, providing the latest tools from trusted brands and innovative solutions that drive productivity and reduce costs. From planning to milling to finishing and more, MSC Metalworking Specialists are ready to help you every step of the way. How can we make you better today? Learn more at mscdirect.com. In manufacturing, even the smallest advantages can make a world of difference for both your customers and your bottom line. At MSC Industrial Supply, we have more than 75 years of experience improving metalworking operations from start to finish, providing the latest tools from trusted brands and innovative solutions that drive productivity and reduce costs. From planning to milling to finishing and more, MSC Metalworking Specialists are ready to help you every step of the way. How can we make you better today? Learn more at mscdirect.com. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, if you're into that. Chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. But here, so Priest and Dawkins was over. We're about 30 minutes into the program. And by the time they go launch through packages and clips and girls talking backstage and commercials and Corbin and JBL's entrance and some more commercials and rang the bell. For the next match, it was 16 minutes in between the end of the previous match and the bell ringing to start the next match. And it, okay, 
And it's Corbin, Baron Von Corbin against Dexter Loomis with JBL and, and Johnny Sameface in the respective corners. And as soon as the thing started, the announcers started talking about what a disappointment that Corbin had been to JBL. And yeah, you know, he just a real letdown and blah, blah, blah. And of course, meanwhile, when the bell rang, Corbin jumped Loomis pretty much from behind and took over to start to get the heat with a chin lock. And I thought, what are they? Are they going a half an hour? No. Loomis came back and won in three minutes with a fucking rock bottom. Somebody else just won with a rock bottom. Anyway, three minutes, boom, done. And I'm thinking, what? So I'm thinking apparently Corbin has pissed somebody off or I mean, he was being used when Vince was, was there before. So it couldn't be Vince trying to strike out from beyond the grave. I mean, he was a longtime comedy figure that to be fair, a lot of their fans got into the antics of, and some of the antics were better than others, but it went a long time. And then after Vince took his break, all of a sudden they put him with JBL and you think, okay, maybe they're going to try to do something else. No. Yeah. He's still the loser character that he was. I asked you the other day, why is JBL being used here? I mean, I did a backstage promo later where JBL. Well, it's like that. It's it, well, don't, don't give a, give it away for the people who, no. many people who listen to us and don't watch. I was actually thinking show. you probably fast forwarded past it. So maybe you missed it. That's no, I no, no. I, I saw it. And we're going to dwell on that a little bit more. Well, do you want to jump ahead to it since we're, we're breaking this up? The YouTube audience won't understand. I personally think we should get all the Baron Corbin news all together in one spurt. But yes. Just also yes. say in one spurt. How about one one dribble? When it comes to Loomis or his dribble Johnny Gargano or whatever it may be, other than theory, it's like there's an entire group of NXT right after Adam Cole and Keith Lee and those guys left that I just don't want to see. I hate to say it. I kind of don't want to see them on the main roster. They don't interest me. Gargano, his wife, Loomis, who has a look, but they've never done anything to make me want to see this guy. and. I think that's part of the problem with Raw. They've thrown a bunch of people that were in NXT the last time Paul Levesque ran it onto Raw, and I don't think that's helping the show at all either. Well, and I I can't argue with you when, again, we were subjected to, and Loomis does look great, but we were subjected to the thing with him and Indy Hartwell and Gargano and the Shark Finn. And, uh, yeah, and, and but, he looks great like a serial killer. And you think, oh, they're using him as a serial killer. And then you realize, oh, no, he's just a, a misunderstood artist who has a weird is, way of dealing with women. Like, what the fuck? He's a lovable mute. <laughs> like, yeah. Jackie Gleason appearing in your local theater as Chico. All right. In 1962, should have won an Oscar. An Oscar. Anyway, an Oscar for Jackie Gleason. An incredible performance. So back to Baron Von Corbin, who looks nothing like Jackie Gleason. Later on in the program, as you mentioned, they were backstage with JBL and and Corbin there, and JBL is dressing him down. And he tells Corbin, he says, 
I was a wrestling god. I main evented WrestleMania. I did this and that. I was must-watch TV. Your channel changing TV. My Hall of Fame legacy has lost all credibility because of you. You need a red nose and floppy shoes because you're a clown. You don't belong near me. And what is Corbin's response as any kind of a fucking adult male human being? Of course, it's, no, I can change. I can do better. <laughs> so they wanted to, I swear to God, I expected to pa them to pan down and see Wally Yamaguchi and Kind Tai going to choppy choppy his pee pee because they got his nuts already. And then JBL actually says to him, you can't polish a turd because I tried. And he walks off from him. And they segued from that to you heard, shush. And I thought, what a fucking clown operation. So what has he done? What has Corbett, have they just given up completely? Did he ask for his release from his contract to go join a Buddhist monastery in Tibet? No, based on their TV, he's going to get some kind of gimmick revamp now, and they'll try to do something. Again? I would think so. My favorite part of this whole thing, and actually this is one of those rare things I think WWE kind of did right, while I don't think guys should ignore that the camera's right in front of their face, I did like MVP and the Hurt Business having a meeting in the background. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that... You're not just filming in a giant, empty corridor. There are actually other people yeah. conducting business in the background. I like that. Even if it is funny business, baby. Or risky business. So anyway. So I guess that's the big question. Are they going to do a revamp of Corbin and his JBL? Eh, I, don't, I don't think any of this has worked with JBL. I, th I think maybe JBL said, what the fuck? If, if not only are you not going to do any more with me and this guy than you've been doing, I live in Bermuda and you can find me there. No, but unless, also, this, uh, unless you know, this was the pitch. You're going to manage him. He's going to continue being a loser. You're going to beat him down. And then he's going to be rebuilt as the new wrestling god, which everyone will... No, no, I've never heard a pitch where it where they pitched a gimmick that was booked to suck so that that could be repackaged as something else. They never give you two gimmicks down the line. It may be maybe Heyman. Heyman got intricate. He could have confused somebody that that might have been a good idea, but I don't think anybody else is good enough to. Yeah, we're going to do this with you and we're going to bring you in and we're going to do this with this guy specifically so it will not get over so that then he could be <laughs> repackaged. What? Hello? Let me get back to this. So, uh, Becky and Byron were backstage about Bailey. And then, and then, then they did it. She did a good promo. Becky did. But then at the nine o'clock top of the nine o'clock hour, we have had two matches and they have been on the actually shown on the air for under 15 minutes for both of them. Because I didn't even start really counting until right about now when I realized, wait a minute, what the fuck? But at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, folks, as we've mentioned, and the, the Vince McMahon formula again here, uh, although it's not revolutionary, but a big star at the top of the hour, and here comes Brock Lesnar. And <laughs> again, babyface Brock. He looks like he's actually 
you know what? He's enjoying himself, but he's enjoying himself because he can come out and kind of act like a not only a fake nice guy, but then be a smart ass. And he's getting paid a fortune to do it. So he's kind of enjoying this, I think, in his own Brock way. But did you ever think you'd his opening lines would be, thank you very much and good evening, Orlando? He sounded like a fucking lounge singer at the Boom Boom Room. And he looks like he's having the greatest time. And well, that's, that's the thing is he's actually getting I've never seen him smile so much. To come out and kind of kind of jack off in his own way, but it still gets over and beat people up and he's making a fucking fortune. And he does the promo about Bobby Lashley and he got tossed in the rumble. He calls him Bobby who? He couldn't get Bobby out of his head. He went hunting. He went ice fishing. But here's what I noticed. That when did he get an accent like he's living in Bug Tussle? Have you? It's country Brock now. He's almost Southern Hillbilly Brock. Did you notice the drawl? I did notice it. And the other thing I noticed, because I noticed it a few months back when this started, the way he says Bobby. Bobby! <laughs> Bobby! <laughs> <laughs> but it says, I mean, I... He lived in Louisville for a little while, but even we don't talk that country. Uh, and he's living in, in Saskatchewan. But anyway, uh, he, he, even he, when he crawls in bed with his wife, he can't stop thinking four or five hours later, he can't stop thinking about Bobby Lashley. But anyway, finally, after only 22 years, he's learned to like to do promos. And, and he basically he brings out the out of his pocket the multi million dollar contract for a match with Lashley at the Elimination Chamber and calls Bobby Lashley out to sign the contract and within two seconds Bobby Lashley's music plays and he's walking around a corner. You could you couldn't I've seen people that knew their cue and were visually cued by more than one person that still didn't come out that quick. Couldn't they make it? Again, we're accepting this. It's a play that's unfolding in front of us in in whatever number of acts. Oh, a new character is entering. But, my God, remember again when this these things that they're copying now started in the wrestling business, it was like, I, I dare the son of a bitch to come out here. I'm not going to leave till he comes out. In the, and somebody from the promotion had to come out and say, God damn it, you got to get out. Oh, well, wait, Jesus Christ, send the guy out here so we can get this guy out of the ring. Whatever. It take, it's a three-hour program. The entrances take fucking 10 minutes. Give 45 seconds to, well, we're... We don't see this on our format. Well, I'm not goddamn leaving till I get it or anything. Are, are, can, am I crazy? No. I thought Lashley looked good out there with the suit and the sunglasses. He kind of gave off an aura for once. Well, yes. I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't have come out looking like that. I'm saying did he have to be? They've just... They've made it so that everybody's waiting for their cue and everything happens so smoothly. And it's not the whole idea of angles in wrestling, confrontations in wrestling, challenges in wrestling was that they caught people's eye because it was an unexpected and supposedly unplanned occurrence that was unfolding in front of the viewer's eyes in real time without prearrangement by the parties or obvious prearrangement by the parties involved you see and and they've just 
skipped over all that part to get to the people emoting to each other. But Lashley comes out in his suit and he looks like a million dollars. And not obviously, suddenly, well, I mean, I know that they've had him and MVP two ships passing in the night for a few weeks and everything, but pretty abruptly, in terms of his demeanor and, and the way he presents himself, he's now a heel. He better be. Brock is clearly we, babyface. Well, yeah, Brock's is babyface as a goddamn newborn baby's ass. How's, there for, how's that for a simile? And Bobby comes out in the suit, the exact antithesis of working man Brock, you know, lumberjack Brock. He's dressed up to the nines. And unfortunately, and Bobby did this okay for just, you know, government work, as they used to say. But this is after Brock's promo, especially, where it's just, he's out there, right? It accentuates Bobby's weaknesses verbally when he has to give history lessons or explain multiple reasonings for things. You see what I'm saying? And details, going through details are not his strength because he he needs to be shortened to the point and try to muster some passion because he can get somewhat robotic trying to say, well, now first you beat me and then I beat you and then then we went to the draw, whatever, the the recount of their history. It doesn't have the emotion. But then he pretty much segues right into a heel comment when he says, well, this contract, you know, he, he did extrapolate on the ways that, that he's come out on top of Brock in the past. He says, I'm going to let my agent, my manager, and my lawyer look at this contract, and then I'll take it into consideration. And he finally... It looked like he was going to leave, and then he goes back and he says, gets up in Brock's face, and he says, are you surprised that Bobby Who has one up on you? And he booped Brock's nose with his finger and then turns his back on the beast, the uh, Brock Lesnar, and calmly walks away. And, of course, Brock reaches out and snatches him, picks him up, and gives him the F5. Boom, and puts the contract on top of him. And goes to leave, and the crowd starts chanting, one more time, one more time, and he looks at him and milks it like a fucking, like a Jersey Guernsey. And fucking one more time he does, boom, another F5. And again, where I've been bitching that, why are they laying Lashley out? Why are they pissing his mouth while he's down there? What the fuck's this doing? That's when Bobby's been presented as a baby face. For a heel Bobby Lashley, this was the right thing to fucking do. If they've settled on this arrangement now where Brock's a baby face and Bobby's a heel, I will be more than happy to work with him on it. I hope it'll be consistent. And I believe they pissed on baby face Bobby uh, a little bit too much, but this is something that a heel does. What do you think of Lashley being put back if they do do it, as it looks like they're going to, as they should probably, or they shouldn't have broken it up, but what do you think about him being back with MVP and Shelton and Cedric? Well, again, I'm for that because we like the hurt business. And I'm not trying to find a, a turd in every punch bowl. We like the hurt business. We said that they shouldn't have broken them up and we wish they'd put them back together. Well, if they are, again, my only bitch is why the fuck did you break them up? Because nobody, none of the, none of the ones of them did as good 
with what they've done since as they were doing together. So it just, I, I don't know. Have we ever seen a Bobby, not Bobby, excuse me, a Brock Lesnar-Shelton Benjamin match? You know, wait. Was there... I don't know if the fact that we can't even think of one may tell the story. There was some time where I think he was easily handled. Shelton was by Brock, but that may have been part of an angle. But if you gave those guys some time and you let them do what they could do and it wouldn't even have to. It, I know a lot of people are saying, well, Shelton shouldn't work even with Brock because he hadn't been presented equally to Brock. And, you know, you don't like that when they do it other places. Well, Shelton still was a former goddamn uh, tag team champion there. Didn't he also hold one of the, the Intercontinental title? And they could tell the story that Shelton, in effect, was uh, Brock's coach at Minnesota, wrestling coach, because he was assistant coaching when Brock was on the team. And that they were first tag team partners and the match they could put on if they were both motivated and given the time, you as the old Christopher Lee Superman tagline, you would believe a man can fly. You would believe Shelton could take him. But nevertheless, when you look at Brock Lesnar from OVW and a blaster Lashley from OVW, there have been a lot of renovations to the characters of both men throughout the many years. Boy, there have been, and it's it's so amazing that if I could find my arrow to put up the yes, I'll tell you another thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't 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 start like that on this your program. No, I, I mentioned to you, and you may be hearing some slight knocking and banging because at the top of the program I was talking about, I had some problems with my electrical outlets in one of the rooms that I've had remodeled here at the castle over the past several months. Well. God dang it, all I can say is I wish that last summer I had known the folks at West Shore Home. And now that I do, this summer and this remodeling season is going to be more stress-free for me because I know now what not to do and what to do and who I need to do it. And West Shore Home is the fastest growing, not only shower and bath remodeling company in the U.S., they also do windows and doors. We're going to talk about that. Any any hole in the side of your home, they'll do it. Or any place where you can get wet, they'll probably address that too. But they fully replace your old shower or bathtub with their modern showers or baths in just one day. And right before we went on the air today, I was watching another one of the TV commercials down here. They're everywhere. They got the time-lapse photography where they show they come in And let's say you've got a shower stuck in a bathroom somewhere. There's mildew. There's there's grottenness in the grout. There's some kind of, I don't know, green fungus growing out from underneath the, the spigot and everything. Cracks, crevices everywhere. They rip all that shit out. And they replace it with the brand new state of the art space age designs in just one day so it's ready for dinner time and brian you've informed me that that most people don't eat dinner in their bathtub they just like to have people strangers out of their bathtub by the time the dinner rolls around well that's what the folks at west shore home are going to do 
and they will come out beforehand and scope this situation out. They'll send their design consultant out mornings, afternoons, evenings, weekends. You and I have had a disagreement, Brian, as to whether they'll come 3, 4 a.m. or not. They won't. I bet. I bet you they will if you're a sexy woman, scantily clad. <laughs> no, they won't. They are professional. <laughs> they are professional. They are not Vince McMahon. So you have it's, nothing to worry about. It's Valentine's Day season. Potentially there's some lady that's lonely and wants a serviceman to come over in the middle of the night. You think this sexy young woman, I assume young, but this sexy woman. It could be any. We're not going to be ageist here. She could be. She could be a senior. And she just seniors need, need love too. And she just needs a new bathtub in the middle of the night. Needs a new bathtub or shower. And maybe she's a senior citizen that's been longing for some human companionship and also needs a grab bar so she doesn't <laughs> slip and take a bump. Well, there you go. Then, then you were, maybe she needs you to come over about 2 a.m. and grab that bar. But you you were selling it before like it was something that would entice. The wonderful well, people from could, West Shore Home, a sexy she, woman, and they're not an old lady who's lonely. But just she's wearing gone. a negligee. <laughs> but whatever time of day that the design consultant comes out, you get to build your dream shower or bath just the way you want it with laser etched designs. You could, you like Sputnik Monroe used to have those boots. You could have a big dick and balls probably designed on your shower if you wanted to, or anything else. Uh, built-in seats in case your shower and bath is so big that you get tired walking across it. You have to sit down. I've got one in my shower in my office bathroom. Shelves, doors, the windows, the magnetic shower heads. Again, watch out. If if anybody hauls a big load of metal right by you, if you're close enough to the road, that thing will fucking take off with you. But they've got all that stuff, and they'll show it to you. You put everything together, and then a few days later, the professionals do a one-day bath replacement. As a matter of fact, they took a challenge on one of the recent commercials. They did two bathrooms, same house, one day, in between breakfast and dinner. Of course, they had to drug the no. Uh, homeowners. No, they did not, and they did not. a state of suspended animation, so when they nope. woke up, it had been three days, but they actually were just eating dinner. I just felt like Damien Priest on Raw. I saw a slow-moving train. I was trying to stop it, trying to fix things, and it still happened. You will not be drugged. No, no. Not, not unless you do it by your own hands. Why? Because you don't have to lift a finger. You can sit around and get stoned all day long while these people are here because you it, it's no, no skin off your nose. They do all the work. It takes more effort to open up a bottle of whiskey and have a have a drink, or it it takes more effort than than just hopping on to Brock Lesnar's wife for four or five hours, or whatever the case may be. Four or five but, hours. How old is Sable now? That's oh boy, I don't know. She's older she than you, isn't she? She was a Sharpe puppy in '98. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they'll take out the old shower or bath, throw it right out in your backyard for you. The kids can play with it. No, the kids cannot play with their old bathtub, which won't be in your backyard. The fine people from West Shore Home do not leave plumbing supplies in your yard. <laughs> well, I thought is oh, that's a refrigerator that the kids aren't supposed to play. They can play with bathtubs, I thought. How about play and with showers. toys and read books? Do not play with discarded well, bathroom furniture. If it's just leaning up there in the backyard, but West Shore Home, they'll haul that off too, right? Because I get what it says, they do all the cleanup. Yeah, and that's part of the, the before dinner. They'll set your table for dinner also, get you all ready for dinner. And they know people are worried about dinner. They don't do that either. Don't promise that. 
As a matter of fact, well, some of these professional installers and these remodelers, they've also, they got varied backgrounds. Maybe one of them's a chef. They might could cook you dinner. But you don't have to do any work. And folks, again, that's for the remodeling of the shower and the bath. They also do windows and doors. You can check the website, promo.westshorehome.com. Uh, see which locations you can see the... Um, or you can request, rather, the free window and door remodeling preview they give you. But if you want to shower or bath, I don't. do they do bidets? I'm not sure. I'm, I'll check on the bidets. But if you live in or around Louisville, Lexington, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Richmond, Salisbury, Virginia Beach, Winston-Salem, Charlotte, Greenville, Asheville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Charleston, Wilmington, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, Newburn, Columbia, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Orlando, Ocala, Tampa, Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Phoenix, Denver, Colorado Springs, and Salt Lake City. Oof. Then you need to go to promo.westshorehome.com backslash gym and get the fastest, easiest, and most convenient home remodeling experience that you will ever have. Happiness is just a phone call away. Don't be showering or bathing in a fucking sewage-filled mess when you can have a brand new clean one. And somebody Send me an oxygen tank. West Shore Home. Well, I don't know about a shower or bath replacement, but I wanted an eyeball replacement. After Here's what we got next. Now, again, we are an hour and 15 minutes into the program, and we're still at under 15 minutes of wrestling actually aired on the program. And the bell rings for the next match, and it's a four-way elimination match for, or a four-way, well, yes, a four-way elimination match for the Elimination Chamber. Basically, whoever wins this thing will go to the Women's Elimination Chamber. And it's Carmella versus Candy LaRue versus Mia Yim versus Piper Niven. So, uh, again, hour and 15 minutes in, under 15 minutes of wrestling, this is what we get. And they go under three minutes and go to the break. Can I say one thing? I watched some of this. Give Carmella credit. She's like a W. She's like a, a perfect WWE style, not main event wrestler, but mid card women's wrestler. She knows how to just perform nonstop. So I, I, I don't know. I was watching this. I was thinking, you know what? She's got her personality down pretty good in front of the camera. She feels completely comfortable out there in a way that I think is different than some of the other women on their roster. And you know what? I When we came back from the break on the other side of it, I picked her as the one person that is the, besides the fact that she won, and they went another four minutes or so maybe, and then Carmella won. <laughs> She's going into an elimination chamber match. The prettiest, daintiest, most flawless woman on the roster what about having a Fabergé egg as special guest referee how dangerous can it be that's my, my th the, just the contemplating that we're going to be sitting through coming up a women's elimination chamber match and I said this on the experience I'll say it again the war games it's precursor 
or the cage match, the war games precursor. The fucking idea that you'd get the top babyface superstars and the top most despised heels and that had had a long running rivalry and a blood feud and bones had been broken and titles had been won and lost and personal animosity prevailed and you put them in there and they goddamn fight and they scratch and they claw and they rake each other over this fucking unforgiving steel until blood is pouring from their orifices and someone is beaten down into insensibility and the winners stand there tall and then we'll have the girls match it's just so how dangerous get carmella's going into this dangerous if carmella will go there i'll go there and i ain't in the mood for dane danger is not my business anymore i'll put money on carmella against you let's make it happen let's make it happen put your money where your mouth is now wait a minute what are the rules here the rules who's the referee uh the rules are standard wrestling rules stan who's the referee where are we doing this in my living room who's the referee that's willing to come to your house harley quinn no, we'll name no the ref. come on. No, that's one sided. All right. Well, I, you know, I ain't got, to, I'm not dressed to wrestle anyway, so I can't fight Carmella, but. Lowe's knows how to get your lawn ready for spring. And right now you can get up to $20 off select Scott's triple action fertilizer. Plus get a cobalt 40 volt, 15 inch string trimmer or leaf blower. Your choice. $149 only at Lowe's. Get set for spring. Visit us in-store or online today because Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 39 through 322. Selection varies by location. While supplies last, excludes Alaska and Hawaii. After that, uh, we did the backstage episode where JBL emasculated and castrated, and he sure didn't masturbate uh, Baron Von Corbin, but he fired him. And we segued, as I mentioned, to shoosh. And that, and then here came Otis and Gable, in, and they went to another break. And by the time we got this match in the ring, Shelton and Cedric, with MVP against Otis and Shoosh Boy, an hour and 32 minutes into the show, and we're still under 20 minutes of wrestling, and the bell rang for this match, and nobody gave two shits about it. And Shelton and Cedric are great, but they have been barely used and certainly not featured since they broke the Hurt Business up. You've got Otis and Gable that everybody, it's, you know, if they do make any noise, it's to go, sheesh. And the, I said, who are the heels here? Now, if Lashley's rejoining MVP and they're putting the Hurt Business back together, then why are Shelton and Cedric wrestling two fucking annoying goddamn comedy heels? And if, if, if so, the man, the team that had the manager is the one that made the baby face come back. And I, but otherwise Shelton and Cedric won in a little bit under five minutes, bell to bell, um, nice win for them. Usually we have to look at Otis and Gable far longer, but where, where are all these people? The worst thing that you can have in in wrestling promotion is a promotion where nobody knows who's mad at who and whose side who's on 
And goddamn, they make it challenging, don't they? As soon as that shush, it's not even shush music, it's the shush intro to the music. As soon as that hits, I left the room. I ended up taking a nap and not waking up until the next day, so I had to finish Raw the next day. Very talented guy. We've seen how much talent he has. Wait a minute. You took a nap and didn't wake up till the next day. I was late already. Are you on them gummies again? It was almost 10 o'clock and I woke up at like 6 a.m. the next day. Well, it's almost 10 o'clock. A a farming man like you has to get to bed early to get up with the crows and the chickens and the suey hogs. What is it? The roosters. That's what they, that's what the rooster crows, not the crow. The crow doesn't rooster. Why is it the rooster crows, but the crow doesn't rooster? Hey, Mr. Crow, let me ask you a question. What time did you go to bed? Oh, I was asleep by quarter to nine. Yeah. That's the <laughs> Mr. Farmer, Mr. Farmer. Well, I got some crops that need to be brought in this morning. Anyway, what were you saying? Hey, they're not going to do, um, they're not going to do Lashley and Lesnar all the way to mania, are they? I don't know why. I mean, the MVP stuff, I guess, is what brings it up. And the idea that all of a sudden Lashley would have heel back up again. But then what is, does Brock have any friends? Have we established that he gives a shit about anybody or anybody would, would be willing to team up with him? Has he ever been in a tag team match since he's come back? Would Brock Lesnar work with a little buddy? <laughs> uh, but I'd never say never, but I'd have to see the little buddy and I'd have to give it a lot of thought. Brock Lesnar and Grizzly Redwood. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um... But now, what about a a mega main event of Brock and Lashley and Gunther and who would fit in that category in some combination of a tag team match? That might be interesting if if all those people were upset at each other at the same time, but it'd have to fit the the smash mouth offense in. I don't think there's any way they main event. One of the Mania shows with a tag team match. Well, no, I didn't say main event it for me. I just said that would be an intriguing match. Oh. Not necessarily that it might be there. You had that in mind. I don't know. If they're having Lashley and Brock in February, I don't think they're going to have it in March, but Brock's going to be, if he's there in February, he's going to be there in March. So, But if the next match, I don't know. Again, I'm fantasy booking and I'm doing it with you, a great booker. How embarrassing this is for you. Oh, I thought you were going to say a subject of many of your fantasies. No, well, Hey now, big boy. No, uh, if the next match is when the Hurt Business officially reforms and helps out Lashley and kicks the shit out of Brock, I mean, it gives you some legs. I do like the idea of Brock having to go through, not necessarily go through, but just have to go to war against Shelton and Cedric to get to Lashley one more time. Would MVP just... Well, but see, then you're, then you're making, again, you're making Shelton Cedric just flunkies. You know, again, in a previous generation, the Shelton Cedric would be main event level, a main event level tag team that would already have a hot rivalry with a main event level babyface team. I agree. Going on that could then be joined in the six man and it would make perfect sense. If you want a team to succeed in the WWE today and in recent times, you make them the flunkies of a main eventer. That's the only hope they have. <sighs> well, anyway. What tag team has that not been the example of the last few years? I can't think of one. Even FTR, when they were on the main roster and they got the most attention, it was them with Randy Orton. 
Remember him? Mm-hmm. I was just taking a sip. I'll leave the top off. That that eliminates half that fucking time. Well, let's finish topping off Raw here. Yeah, let's move on. Because then we had Miz and Booger being silly backstage. And then we had Adam Pierce talking to one of the girls backstage. And then the girl that Adam Pierce talked to backstage turned out to be Chelsea Green. And she goes to the ring and has a match with Oscar. And we're an hour and 47 minutes into this wrestling program, under 25 minutes of in-ring wrestling. And... These girls go three minutes and Oscar wins. <laughs> okay. And then suddenly Carmella and Raquel and Alexis Bliss and etc. Everybody in the Elimination Chamber is around the ring. And Bianca Belair comes out and cuts a promo on them because they're going to be, you know, fighting to, for the chance to fight her. And it was so slow and painful. And even with six women about to fight in an elimination chamber to see who's the toughest to take her on. She still came out skipping and twirling and I, I fast forwarded. Did I miss anything? No, not really. I mean, you didn't miss anything. I will say that was the thing I was waiting to see. And I started laughing. She comes out hopping and skipping and twirling the hair, no matter what the situation yes. is. We've just found out, Bianca, that your grandfather was in a helicopter crash. He's been oh, airlifted no. to a hospital. She walks in the fucking emergency room lobby that way. It's going to be a big moment when she drops that and just walks out and kicks someone's ass. Will she ever? Will she ever? <laughs> Raw rolls on. Raw rolls on. Okay, we finally got here. We are not just at the 10 o'clock hour. We're at 9.57 p.m. They wanted to make sure they got this in. Here comes the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes and his entrance, the music, the suit, the hugs, the shaking hands, the adoration of the adoring public. And right at the top of the 10 o'clock hour for people that may be switching around or whatever, they're, they've snagged him with the, or trying to snag him. At, at, at nine o'clock, it was Brock Lesnar. Now it's Cody Rhodes. You can see where they're slotting Cody. And he starts off by, you know, saying that, hey, you know, things have been glossed over a little bit. I might not be facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I've got a title shot, but Sammy's got him at the Elimination Chamber. So I might be at WrestleMania challenging Sami Zayn, and that got a little reaction. But remember, what did I say three days ago? We did the last program. I said, between now and then, Cody and Sami better be real good friends, and Sami needs to be fully supportive of whatever Cody does, and vice versa. And here you go. He said, I wish my friend Sami Zayn the best of luck. May the best man win. So they're planting that seed, and... Where we go from here, and then suddenly, Heyman interrupts on the microphone. No music. It, 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 Cody didn't have to stand there like a dipshit with some guy's music plays, and he walks out. It's just Paul on the microphone. And in any era, in the late 1800s, Paul Heyman would have been the most successful snake oil salesman in America. In the 30s, he would have been the barker for the most successful carnival. He's a fucking genius. 
You're not even um, talking about him as a performer. You're just talking about his ability. <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, from that point on, from the time that he started talking and came to the ring, I didn't make a goddamn note. I didn't jot anything down. I didn't stop looking at the facial expressions and the reactions that each one of them had to stuff that the other would say and Paul's trembling hand every once in a while. And, and just the, it, it was incredible because again, Haman, the cunning linguist, the verbal master and Cody, this is his story and he loves the personal aspect and that was the point, the go after all of 17 minutes, which flew by. You didn't want to, if people were glued, I would assume, to what they were hearing because it all made sense and it was fucking perfectly done. And there was so much truth in it that you couldn't visually or verbally discern where the truth ended and the work began. It's it's a masterpiece of of a a confrontation without being a confrontation. They didn't have to be mad in this instance. And I mean, it, and you can't really describe it without just reading a verbatim transcript. But the whole thing was about even Paul's affection for Dusty Rhodes and that Cody had to shake his hand and thank him for helping the Rhodes family when they were down and that time that Dusty went to work for ECW. He didn't do it for love of the game. And then they just weaved back and forth in and and finally told the story when you thought that Paul, as he usually does, had gotten a verbal zinger in at the end. Cody had the perfect final words for a baby face. When he backed Paul up in the corner, he made him shake his hand and grabbed it and gave it the oomph every once in a while and said, everybody's giving me a lot of crap because I'm just trying to win a wrestling championship. But if you want to make it personal, then that's what we will do. And it won't be personal between me and you. It'll be personal between me and Roman because you've made it personal. It's, I mean, they shot this well. They, these guys, if they did hit their marks, if they if they walked through it enough to have marks, which I'm pretty sure they did because it was staged pretty well too. There wasn't any wandering around. Then these guys ought to be on Broadway. They hit their fucking marks. But I I I, I can't honestly think of the last time that I saw or heard that I heard a promo segment on a wrestling show that had as much realness to it. Punk's one or two when he came back, the one or two best ones when he had first come back. Uh, other, uh, other ones escaped me at this point. You can talk about good promos, but that people could believe because so much of it was legitimate and you couldn't tell where that stopped and working started. and just the fact that they were able to do this flawlessly for 17 minutes. Punk and Kingston, Punk and MJF, those are two examples I could think of. But more than anything, I think this was an example of the kind of stuff Cody wished he could have done in AEW. But he didn't have yes. the people to work with that could do it. Yeah. Because the he emotion... Did, I, that's, that's probably what he saw in MJF, because he was the 
the verbal master that could that he thought could play a part like this in something with him. Give Heyman credit. Give them both credit. They both cried, it appeared, during the promo. Well, I think anybody that ever worked for Paul will tell you he can he can make that <laughs> face and and you can even hear some snot snurfle, but if you look, there's not a lot of tears running down the cheeks. But I know it's not gonna happen. I'll say that a second time. I know it's not gonna happen, but I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. And I've got money to spare. I'll pay everyone involved <laughs> if we get Brandy out there to cut a promo on Heyman. Oh, come on. That's now. all I want. That's I, I think I asked for it years ago. Brandy and Heyman, let's go. No. I think that this was a captivating segment. And I had recently been talking to you on air and off about the lack of people in wrestling that you could just stop and watch what they do, and you don't get bored and think, oh, there's not a wrestling match. For all the faults of pretending the camera's not there at times, the bloodline shit has been impeccable. Yeah. You want to see what's going to happen. Sometimes it's so slow-moving, and you just deal with it. And then something happens, the most minor thing, and it's a big thing. Couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Both guys were completely in the moment. The fans didn't chant boring. It went on a long time. They didn't chant no, boring. Nobody said what? Nothing. That no, not, not even a wise-ass little segment of four people in Section E trying to start it. Nothing. In AEW, it was always said to me, and I think other people have reported this, or at least said that they heard the rumor, Cody really wasn't interested in doing anything that touched back to his dad. I don't know how to put that exactly, and I don't know how strict or firm it was, but it was really about Cody establishing Cody. He didn't want everything to be about Dusty. They did it here, and it worked, and it was perfect, and it was the perfect way and the perfect time to do it. We've got months until Mania. This is one of those examples right here, unless it's something like he runs in in Montreal to help Sammy because Jay shows up and turns on Sammy and helps. Roman or whatever, unless it's something like that. Don't make it physical. Just let let everyone talk everyone yeah. into this match. This was brilliant. I don't know about the best segment of the history of Raw, as you said a few times, but well, I'm you know it's up there mo- on the list. Modern modern memory, maybe. This is the kind of stuff that Cody was trying to force himself to do in AEW when it wasn't working. This is the stuff he's wanted to do, and with Heyman, he had the perfect guy to do it with. This was great. The perfect uh, dance partner. You know what? When the inevitable happens in the bidding war of 2024 and jolly old St. Nick signs up MJF, can we find out that MJF is really the illegitimate son of Paul Heyman and and potentially a lady of the evening from the Bronx? From the Bronx, really, and 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 MJF's well, whatever the fuck. MJF's, you think Paul was driving from Scarsdale into the Bronx to pick up hookers? Well, there you go. Oh, that uh, is what you uh, think. They, okay, they, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't let hookers in Scarsdale. They don't have fucking social standing. So MJF's current parents actually adopted him when Heyman forced the hooker to leave him out on in a basket on a doorstep. I'm going to agree with uh, everyone else. You're out of touch. No more booking for you. You're done. All righty. Anyway, so speaking of no more booking for anybody else, after that segment, which was 
We go to another Elimination Chamber qualifier, but men's division this time, with Montez Ford against Elias. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Do I want to see either one of these guys in an Elimination Chamber? Who are they goddamn mad at that they want to fucking kill and mutilate in the most dangerous fucking gimmick match of all time until the next month's show? Did you know who was going to win? No, no, you got me there. Did you care who was going to win? I I don't want to say. I mean, I didn't want Elias to win just because I'm kind of really sick of Elias. It's been years now. Multiple personalities, but he's still Elias. And Ford shows a lot of potential. He looks like the guy on the CBS morning show, Nate Burleson, but whatever. I thought maybe he would win. Actually, I don't even know who won. Who won the match? Well, I'll tell you. See, there you go. You were right, Ford won. Uh, good, good. And you know, they're about to do a reality show they've been filming with him and Bianca. So well, they're going to do just, they're gonna try to do something with him right now. That's just lovely. But meanwhile, and I guess Elias is a heel now. He just was standing there like fucking nobody Jones wearing his blue jeans. And they were two hours and 20 minutes into the show at this point when the bell rang. And as we've established, somewhere a little north or south of 25 minutes of wrestling, and this match went about a minute and a half, and they went to the break. And when they came back from the break, they went a little under four minutes from there. So now we may have scratched the 30-minute mark of wrestling by the time two and a half hours this program is over with. Ford won with a splash off the top row, but he does that tremendously. He gets some height. And then immediately, a theory was doing color at ringside. He didn't have a lot of time to say anything. And Rollins attacks him and fucking hits him with a curb stomp on the floor and danced off. He danced around the ring and danced down the aisle while he was wearing a fishnet shirt that looked something like he had taken it out of Frankie Goes to Hollywood's uh, fucking costume closet. And Theory was left unconscious, face down on the floor. So way to keep heat on a heel. So two hours and 45 minutes into the wrestling program with 30 minutes of kind of blah on-air wrestling. Your thoughts? I just wanted to also say that I thought Theory did a good job on commentary. He has grown his facial hair out a little more so he doesn't look as young. He just looks like, you know, a young, young-ish wild guy as opposed to a baby face. Not a baby face, but a, this whole fucking explanation is horrible. But he was good on commentary. <laughs> Fortunately, he was doing the color instead of you. That's right. I turned to the Damien Priest over here. There's a match. <laughs> I know I had a match. I'm just so mad. There's anger in my teeth. I just can't speak. You, you hate me so bad you can't talk right now. Well, I I hated this show so bad, except for that one segment right now, that again, we're two hours and 45 minutes into a wrestling show with 30 minutes of blah wrestling and one incredible 17-minute promo, and the bell rings for the main event, and it's a girls' cage match. It's the one they shorted us on a couple of weeks ago when they ran out of time because one of the interviews went long. And it, Becky against Bailey. And this was a good match. I'd have liked it so much if it wasn't in a cage. Because, again, I'm sorry. I know the horses left the barn. 
and people have lost hope and just accepted this, but girls in a cage. It's supposed to be blood and violence and a culmination of a goddamn, as I said, a blood feud or a personal rivalry with the history of broken bones and shattered dreams and people trying to climb the cage to save the baby face, and now we, the girls can do it. Uh, but this was certainly above the level of most, many of the women's matches in WWE and almost all the women's matches in AEW, and Becky Lynch is way over, and Bailey can work. She's been used fairly blahly, but again, we're at the main event of this cage match that they promised us a couple weeks ago and then made sure that we, they worked back in so they could deliver and they go almost three minutes and we go to the break. And by the time they come back, there's eight minutes left on the air. So they have about another five or six minutes of cage match. And finally, Bailey is climbing to the top of the cage to get away, and Becky climbs up there and catches her, and they have a fight on the top. And Becky's trying to get her arm bar on Bailey, and Bailey's trying to squirm out of it, and she fell. She didn't take a bump off the cage into the ring. She just dropped off the cage and went down ropes and side of cage. That thing can be... Well, I guess they polish them these days. The old ones where they just hauled them around on a fucking trailer for years, got rusty and be like a cheese grater. If you did that, she'd have ripped her skin off. Yeah, I'm pretty, sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's a better condition than that. Well, yeah, they probably fucking armor all them and everything now, but she falls off and here comes EO Kai and she climbs the cage from outside and fights with Becky on the top and kicks Becky back down in the ring. And then Dakota Sky passes her crutch in and Bailey hits Becky in the gut with it. And suddenly music starts playing. And of course, it's Lita. Of course. Of course. So I know I fast forward a lot. And I know I don't pay attention to everything the girls say. But... Is this like, I mean, the, the people popped. They would have popped if it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it would have made about as much sense. What, why, from where? It's Lita. She just happened to be there visiting and thought she'd, they've got her music queued up so she could save this girl from getting her ass kicked. Has Lita ever met Bailey? Do they have history? Is, does Lita have history with Becky? Is there a reason why, except that Lita is, as I mentioned, one of the only you know, big name females from the previous era that could probably still go. Why was this Lita, except for a pop? Or was that it? She's a star. Get, we need stars. Star after star. I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. Although, I don't know. How do you feel about the biggest... Eh, is Becky still the biggest babyface female they have? I guess so. How do you feel about her being saved by Lita? Well, I mean, Ellen and Charlotte and Becky probably are neck and neck with their various proponents, but... Charlotte's not as over as a baby face yet. Oh, well, that's true. Last week was Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, her being saved from the 
machinations of three different people. She's fought one in the cage. She fought the other that interfered in the cage, and she's being whacked with a crutch. I can see her needing help, no matter who she may be. But I just, again, Alita, hey, great to see you. But how did it just, you know, it, it was one of those surprises that you go, okay, but why would she give a shit? Does she know any of these girls? Where has she been? She just, She's been in Orlando. That's why they booked her. (laughs) That must be why they booked her. Well, anyway, she beat up Kai and Sky, and she slammed the door on Bailey's head and knocked Bailey into Becky's finish. One, two, three. And this could be the beginning of the Von Erichs Freebirds of the women's division. I I don't know if they have that hope. I think those hopes were dashed about the time of uh, Becky's head getting dashed. But, uh, But Lita's back. And Raw rolls on. No, Raw ended. That was the end of Raw. Raw, Raw that's Raw. Raw rolled. Raw, Raw hit rolled wall. Over. Raw hit wall. Um, wall one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have to be honest. I kind of, I wasn't into the match, and uh, I didn't really care too much. For the fans that are really into that, I guess Lita returning is a big deal. I feel like she's the one that always returns out of all the legends of the WWE Women's Division. More than Trish, it's always Lita that returns, so it's not a big deal to me anymore. And I think after that long, brilliant Cody Heyman segment, I was kind of done. There was nothing else that was going to hold me to really care about the show. But, uh, you know, just again, when they have three hours to fill, it's a lot easier getting good wrestlers to wrestle for 10 minutes than it is getting good wrestlers to talk for 10 minutes if they made the matches more important and had not got themselves in this position, and it will be a long agonizing process to ever try to recondition that audience to appreciate the matches, at least equally as far as all the drama and pomp and pageantry. But it's never good when people don't really give a shit about the matches. And it's not because they're, Inherently bad, there as we've said, all the WWE talent is professional. Uh, it's just a lot of them are uninteresting, probably some by their own making, some by what they've been made to do or act like or look like. And the format is just flattering a plate full of piss and just predictable and needs. Remember a couple when Triple H first came back. They had some fights in the parking lot and, and you know, some uh, a brawl to start the show. And people, oh, they're shaking the format up. Well, it all settled in the same fucking pattern as it was before, apparently, after they shook it up. Could they try to go back to, I don't know, a sports-based wrestling presentation where it's actually an athletic contest and people are mad uh, legitimately. I don't know, but that's just me. Well, Jim, let's drive off and uh, let's get some questions here on the show, but I want to talk about something that's breaking news as we are recording. The most recent update appears to have been just a few minutes ago, Dave Meltzer reporting on Twitter. Channel 5 in Tampa reported Jerry Lawler suffering a stroke at home and Ugh. underwent surgery. Surgery? 
So there have been various rumors this morning about a health crisis that hit Jerry Lawler maybe last night, and now we're hearing this uh, being reported on TV in Tampa. Uh, And that, uh, what kind of surgery do you do for somebody that has suffered a stroke? I don't, I, I'm not even well-versed enough in medicine to determine that, but obviously that does not sound, you know, good. Um, well, you, you mentioned we had just, cause we've been recording for a couple hours and there was just a rumor right before we went on the air that he'd been taken to the hospital last night for something. And somebody pointed to a rumor started by a rumor noted rumor starterer. So we didn't know what to think, but that obviously if the TV news is reporting it, it's out on, you know, outlets like that. Um, a stroke is technically a, a blood, a blood clot or some kind of blockage in or around the brain, right? Is that, or to the brain. Or to the to or from the brain or somewhere in the vicinity of the brain. So I mean I don't know did did the heart attack that Jerry had, you know what ten years ago now did that you know cause of something that could be he could be more susceptible to something like this I don't know but again the Teflon King it's almost hard at this point to get worried about Lawler. And I, mean, I guess at some point we're going to have to, but he slips everything. Hopefully he'll slip this too. I don't know what else to say, but I'm like, he actually died. That was the thing that I said to him the next time I saw him after his heart attack. I said, Jerry, I appreciate what you did for me. He said, what's that? I said, you died. He said, scared me into going on a diet. Remember that's that year I lost all that weight. But it's it's a joke, but he actually did die, and it's funny, but it's serious. But he's been wrest he just wrestled what last month or whatever at a, at an independent show because the the tweet was going around that Lawler's had a match at least once a year every year since 1970, and he wrestled Luthez, who started his career. In 1930, what was it, five? So that means there's 88 years or whatever of wrestling between two guys. But to be honest, I bet you, I don't know it for a fact, but I bet you that at some point in the first couple of years that he was wrestling around Memphis, that Lawler may have been in at least a battle royal or some kind of six-man tag or whatever over in Dyersburg or Jackson, Tennessee or that area with Herb Welch because Herb Welch was still wrestling on the shows that he promoted in West Tennessee at that point in time, and he started at least 10 years before Luthez in in probably the early to mid-20s. So, I mean, at some point... Jerry's just never wanted to quit. I mean, he doesn't do it, obviously, because he needs the money and he's not doing it regularly, but he's never wanted to quit wrestling because that's what he's done all his life. But at some point, I'm afraid he, if it's not already too late, he may need to cut back or quit entirely on all of that. How weird is it for you to see a story about Lawler and this happening at home and it's Fort Myers, Florida, not Memphis? Well, yeah, he's got he's got a condo down there. They've um. 
that area, Jerry Jarrett had a condo down there in Sanibel Island and, and Lawler's had a place down there for quite some time. So it's, you know, he still has a home in Memphis and lives there most of the time. But, um, you know, I, was he alone? I mean, you know, well, I'm not trying to say, was nefarious things going on here? Is there, you know, is this a plot or whatever? I'm saying, was there any family member? Is it, does he have a current girlfriend or was there anybody there with him? I'd hate to think that he, it's one of those goddamn life alert commercials. Um, but geez, that again, even though Lawler's had, you know, that medical history, it's like flair. You never think anything bad that sticks is going to happen to, you know, some of these guys. And, but it worries me at this point, you know, if after you pass 70, should you have to call somebody if you live alone and check in every couple hours just to, you know, all right, I'm, I'm ambulatory. I'll call you back at five. I, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm worried and it, it doesn't sound like it's a positive thing, but hopefully it's not, you know, something is drastically serious and, and, you know, is going to cause problems for any length of time. Well, Jim, let's uh, move topics here, or switch topics, move on with the show. Several of the listeners have been sending in this tweet from Inside the Ropes. One WWE veteran thinks Rhea Ripley needs to, quote, get rid of all that goth stuff in order to appear more beautiful. Uh, do you know anything about this before I click on anything I, here? I saw, well, he trended briefly over this. It wasn't a positive trend. It was one of those negative trends. But uh, our old friend SS trended over this uh, opinion of his. So go ahead. I'm, I'm familiar, but I don't know if I know all the quotes. Well, Jim, I have the article here from Inside the Ropes by Sandra Ruth. Veteran claims, <laughs> that's a name I hadn't heard before, so I don't know why that made me laugh. Veteran claims WWE needs to show what a beautiful woman Rhea Ripley is. And this is quotes from a Vince Russo <sighs> interview or show of some sort. So now you're getting into that Roman Public Re display, perhaps, might be a better way to, to term it. So now you're getting into that Roman Reigns area again. I would do it, bro, if the plans were to slowly but surely turn Rhea Ripley babyface, get rid of all that goth stuff. Let's really see what a beautiful woman she is, if that were the plan. If she is the heel WWE Women's Champion, I mean, what are we going to do? Have Becky beat her? Like, how many times are we going to go back to that well? And it's not Becky, then who is it? I believe Rhea Ripley can beat Charlotte Flair. Rhea Ripley is a beast. She is a big woman. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <laughs> I believe she's just plain large. I believe that if she beats Charlotte, I believe it. But my problem really is, bro. It says comma, bro, comma. That's the record. But my problem really is, bro, which is the right I way wish, to do it. I wish they'd put bro in a coma, not a comma, but go ahead. So now you would have Rhea Ripley as a heel champion. And then because she is bigger and just more impressive than the other girls. You know, we've got the Candice LeRae's, and we've got the Alexa Blisses, and we've got these girls that, like, Rhea Ripley would kill them. I'm not exactly sure what his point is, other than... I, there's a bunch of them. It looks like a porcupine. They're all in there, but they're so fucking hidden. 
He can't come to one and settle on it. Well, is that the is that the that's, quote? That's everything I have here in this article. Okay. Well, first off, I think what let me get out my stupid to English dictionary. He's obviously trying to say in part that yes, Rhea Ripley looks like she could and probably could and definitely should kill little Alexis Bliss and little fucking Rebecca of Donnybrook Farm or whoever the fuck else. But let's not bury the lead needs to get rid of all the goth stuff he thinks everybody should look like his plastic idol sable did in 1998 he's scared of an actual star looking woman Rhea looks like she might be a little too me. He thinks they won't accept her as a baby face because she's got that. That look is why they're accepting her now. Because it's not only more modern, but it's also different. And she looks like she needs to be in an action movie. She's not out there like Carmela or Alexa or Myrna or whoever the fuck else all look like Hawaiian tropic swimsuit suntan models or whatever and there's no problem with being that but uh, i don't buy them i don't buy them to wrestle i buy them to tan and wear bikinis just like i bet you that there wouldn't have been a lot of fucking market for the fabulous moolah in the bikini and tanning lotion industry but uh, yeah think about that but it once again dipshit he brings up the perfect point of why so many potential good talents get disrupted because he wants to take someone that changed herself from that look that looked like everybody else into somebody that looks completely different and is a more unique personality and also he overlooks I mean, this is once again, this is the guy whose favorite female talent on the roster was Sable. So let's examine this. Rhea Ripley, as we mentioned, not only one of the best female workers, works better than some of the men. She works like one of the guys. Point in her favor. There's a 10. What does Sable get? A zero. She couldn't work at all. Never wanted to learn, refused to try. Promos. Rhea Ripley, one of the best female promos, better than a lot of the men. Sable, couldn't say suey if the hogs had her. That droning Stepford wife, nasally tone with no emotion. Because she didn't believe it, she didn't care about it, she just wanted to be on television. Ripley gets a 10, Sable gets a 0. Looks, besides the fact that Sable was older than she admitted, and as we mentioned, did have the Sharpay puppy thing going on. Does anybody, can anybody stand there and say that Sable at 30 whatever years old she was in 1998 is more stunning, more movie star lookish than Rhea Ripley as she is right now at what, not even 25 years old in this day and age and going to get better? So, but that's, that's what, I mean, he'd have old Rio wearing white cotton panties if it was up to him and the other Vince. So that's why he trended on Twitter was because people actually were rightfully 
gobsmacked and verklempt that you would want to take the one person that's getting over and then change everything that caused them to get over. But then I realized that's what they did in OVW when they brought guys up. That's what they did when they brought guys up from NXT. And uh, apparently dipshit thinks this would be a good idea to just make her another face in the crowd also. You know, it would be one thing if you were saying, I wish she hadn't gone as far as she has with the goth stuff. Because, you know, now there's a lot more tattoos and everything than they used to be. I don't know if tattoos are considered goth stuff. But other than that, it's a piercing and makeup and an outfit. But she has. You can't go back now. What, is she going to be a beauty queen now? <laughs> After this gimmick? She's a beautiful woman. But she's made this her own. It went from, oh, Rhea Ripley's kind of trying to be Mad Maxine to no, she's become her own thing. Yeah. This, this is just the way it is. She's really good. So, uh, you know, but if, if people wonder why, because dipshits like that, that don't understand what it's like to be a talent or be a performer, they think that they're the important ones, the people that feed them what to say. And the private, they're scared, actually. The writers are always scared of a performer that knows what he's doing because he can say shit better than they can write it for him. And if he can wrestle and they can't, well, fuck. What good are they? That's the problem. If you have talent, you don't need writers. And with talent like this, we don't know because she's never been in a position where she's been allowed to actually go out and ad lib and cut promos off top of her head. But I would bet you as dedicated as she's been to everything else, every other facet of her game, she could probably do that too. On the issue of size... You know, Rhea Ripley is not a Alexa Bliss or a Candice LeRae or any of the women. Whether you're a fan or not, they're smaller women. She's bigger. Bianca Belair, bigger. When I say bigger, they look athletic. They look like they kick your ass in yeah. volleyball or basketball or whatever it may be. They're going to kick your ass. What do you do? I mean, you can't just... You do need some smaller people. You can push the right smaller person. But you can't just sign women who are, or can you? Women who are 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and up with muscle mass? I mean, what do you do? Well, no, you can't make hard and fast rules like uh, Johnny Ace was trying to do with the guys. Well, everybody's got to be 6'2", two and 225 or whatever. But you can certainly, <laughs> you can limit the... They're still signing girls, let's face it. Liv Morgan wouldn't have a job. Alexis Bliss wouldn't have a job. A couple of these other minute Carmella, seriously, if they weren't signing girls more because they're attractive than because they're wrestlers. And there's got to be some fucking limit. No, Ronda Rousey's not six feet tall, and she doesn't, you know, have the lat spread of Raquel Rodriguez or whatever, but the people knew she was legit as a shoot. Because she's a master in judo. Bianca Belair's not six feet tall, but she's probably got a pretty good bench press. We've established her constant cheery demeanor, notwithstanding that she's an athlete. So it has to be on a case by case basis. And, you know, and Shayna Baszler is not very tall and she's a little dumpy, but she's a shooter 
she could technically do these, but she's not a main event girl either because she doesn't have the personality or the promo or the look. But, but, but it's not like you shouldn't not sign her. But I don't, I don't, I don't see any reason for somebody that, especially with supernatural bullshit with Alexis Bliss or the, the whole Liv Morgan, I'm crazy. So even though I'm a, literally a Fabergé egg. I'll I'll sell nothing and act like I'm crazy because they want me to be hardcore. That's just phony, and that's why the people you know know it. The only there's a bunch of guys, very lonely guys, that put all these girls' pictures up as their Twitter profile or on Facebook or whatever. There's more male wrestling fans of female wrestlers now than there ever has been before, and that still ain't a lot of fans. But if you're going for it, trying to draw some money with the top girls, you're talking about your Charlottes and your Beckys and your Biancas and your Rias and a very few rarefied air up there. All right. Well, let's move on from that. Jim, another popular tweet that people have been resending to us over the last day. A lot of people have. Ricky Morton apparently is very active on Twitter, or at least his Twitter account is very active on Twitter. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's get the Midnight Express in the <laughs> WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, Jesus. With a quote from Steve Austin a while back saying, Midnight Express and Cornette should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Followed by The Rock. I co-sign this from the Rattlesnake. My favorite era in wrestling, Cornette and Midnight. Steve Austin retweeted this yesterday and wrote, shoot. What do you think about the renewed push and the renewed interest in you and the Midnight Express being in the Hall of Fame? And I th- is it even? I think, he, I think he meant to write shit. No. I'm- <laughs> well, what do you think of all this? Um, well, and actually, it's I got a, uh, a fairly connected journalist uh, co- contacting me yesterday to ask the same thing. Are the Midnight Express going in the Hall of Fame? Uh, let's put it this way. No, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. And they're not aware of it either because I've just talked to both of, of uh, Dennis and Stan over the last three days. And I think it was started by the tweets. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it. Everybody knows because he said it, that Austin you know, loved the Midnight Express's work. When he was in Texas, we were down in Louisiana, Houston, Dallas. He saw a lot of that stuff then and and on through the NWA. And he said many kind things about us in the past. And The Rock, that was kind of his era too when he became a teenager watching 80s wrestling and he liked that stuff also. And I mean, it was nice of them to express that sentiment but it is not, they're not legitimately on the Hall of Fame committee that determines the nominees. If there is indeed such a thing, neither Steve nor The Rock are on it. So I think people then have started the rumor, well, there must be something to it. If there is, we don't know about it yet. And I'll, I'll, I can spill these beans because I was asked not to say anything, obviously, before, but at the 2017 hall of fame ceremony i had been contacted christmas week so 
They're not getting as big an advanced start on this thing as they used to be if there's anything to it. I can think of another actual issue here, which is, would they even consider inducting you in the Express in the Hall of Fame if you guys won't sign one of those bullshit Legends deals? And would that restrict all of the business you do? Well, well, but here's another thing. A lot of people are overlooking this because we kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly. But when they induct wrestlers into the Hall of Fame, when do they induct the managers with them? They don't. So it would be Ellering, a Ellering went in with the Road Warriors. Well, I've, okay, then there's the exception to the rule, and kind of I'm the heel version of the exception of the rule in that Ellering was inextricably linked in people's minds with the Road Warriors. Me and the Midnight, same thing. They were baby faces for most of that run. We were heels, but same but. They might not consider that. And to be to be perfectly honest, if they were going to do it, they kind of fucking shit the bed on, on their timing because the heart and soul of the team is no longer with us. One member of the team has an artificial voice box and true, and the other member of the team that could give a nice speech would probably be the Stan would be the one that was least impressed by the whole thing and probably ticked off if he had shit. I just thought if they did, it'd be California. We'd have to get to Cali. He'd be ticked off if he had to fly to California and he'd be asking what the fucking payoff was. Um, That's my issue. So, Go back to my question. He'd find out what the payoff was and say, this isn't worth it. Well, but here's the, uh, here's another thing. To be honest, uh, if you have a Legends deal, some of those guys with Legends deals still book their own Fan Fest appearances. Neither Stan doesn't want to go anywhere at this point. To be honest, he does very few things. Dennis is doing some Fan Fest every once in a while. That wouldn't prevent him from doing that. For them to sign a Legends contract when they're not actively doing anything, that might not be the worst thing in the world. I would not be able to do that nor would I consider it. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't been asked yet either. So I haven't actually been dwelling on that. But so so right now, it's just, it's a very fine sentiment. But I think the timing is late, especially Bobby would have got the biggest kick out of it, probably the bunch of us. Plus, they, uh, they but, would totally fuck you. They would totally induct Bob Holly and Bart Gunn also with no, you No, they would. No, they <laughs> Well, they'd be fucking a cardboard cut out of me because I'd know ahead of time and I wouldn't be there if that was the case. Who inducts you? Who would you actually pick to give the induction speech? Well. Steve Austin. I, would you think they would let Steve Austin do it? Well, I probably not. If, if Austin's going to give an induction speech, they'd want it to be a main event level induction. But uh, we talked about this before a few years ago when everybody was talking about the rock and roll for the midnight. Dusty couldn't because he's not here anymore. Watts probably wouldn't give a shit. Uh, JR might be the uh, the option there for somebody who was really instrumental in our careers. Uh, but then would they would they want some one of their modern tag teams that looked up to us as an influence as soon as he heard he might be able to get on the Hall of Fame ceremony and then started watching our YouTube shit? I don't know. But I try, I'm not taking the piss out of it, uh, uh, you know, entirely in that 
yes, Midnight still deserves it, but there's a lot of questions, and I don't know the answer to any of those. So I'm not, uh, I'm not making any travel plans. Let me ask you this, because if they inducted you, obviously the plaque would end up on your wall. I mean, no question, because they've given it to you, and it means something. Well, yes. But do you actually think... I, I put all the plaques on my wall. I have one here that Brian Hildebrand gave me for my 30th birthday. Well, no, there's also some plaque on your teeth. But what I was going to say is, do you think the WWE, does WWE Hall of Fame mean something to you? Like, do you see it as like a career spanning accomplishment or is it, okay, this is what, like, well, how, how would you see it? I'd really like to, but no, I don't because it's not, it's not a career spanning accomplishment when most of my career I was elsewhere doing other things. By choice, in most cases. And I, you know, again, a phrase I used earlier in the show, I guess my stuff that I did on camera in the WWF from 93 to, what, 98 was good enough for government work, but it wasn't, you know, my as far as a manager, I was better with the Midnight Express. As far as an announcer, I was better in... OVW and or any of the more modern programs that I've done announcing for um as as, as a booker and I know that's not a criteria for the WWF Hall of Fame but my best booking anywhere was in OVW probably so it, it's you know and and then also there's the thing where Yes, it's named the Hall of Fame, but also, and I'm not trying to take the piss out of it. And I've said a lot of guys, it's a big deal to them. And it was their dream to go to the WWF and they had wonderful careers there and they love the ring and the chance to show it off. But it's not real because Vince and or whoever now picks whoever goes in based on, as we've mentioned, the criteria. Main event or two names to sell the tickets and get the interest and fill the seats and then got a woman and a person of color of some description and a you know 80s favorite talent that falls under a catch-all category that'll be you guys the midnight express and jim Cornette, the 80s subcategory of just well no well yes but i'm just saying it's not like that that the it's it's I mean it's even more egregious than the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in that not everybody deserving to be in a Hall of Fame in, in for wrestling of any kind even the WWF Ivan Koloff's not in it. If Ivan Koloff is not in the WWF Hall of Fame, then Jim Cornette shouldn't be. Or is, is Cindy Lauper, if we're going with the celebrities or whatever the fuck. So I'm just again, I've. I've, I'm trying not to have people say, oh, he's just taking the piss out of it, but it's not a big deal to me because it ain't real. Would you charge extra for your autograph once you became a Hall of Famer? And also, no. would you sign it WWE, HOF, and the year that you went in? If they asked me to and wanted me to, I would, but not on every single goddamn autograph because already... Sign, thank you, fuck you, bye, and or your friend, and or whatever the fuck else. What am I writing a goddamn novel? No, it's, it, I know it's, it, and I just said it's not real, and people say, well, the wrestling business isn't real, but I mean, it's, it's not like, wow, I'd like, yes, the Mid-South Wrestling Hall of Fame, if there had been a 
sanctioned one or the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Hall of Fame. I set gate records there. I set ratings records there. I set attendance records, whatever the case. And though, yes, I should be in those halls of fame for those things. I didn't do any of that in the WWF. It was never my fucking intention to be there to begin with. It kind of happened. If there's not a physical hall, not just for WWE, but for any hall of fame, what do you think? I mean, is there another term that could be used? If there is no hall, but you're still calling it a hall of fame because of what it connotates, should there be something else that you call it? Well, old Greg Price down in Charlotte had the Hall of Heroes for his fan fest. And um, and then he got run out of town. People throw rocks well, at his yeah, head. But, and... Yeah, but it, but it was a Hall of Heroes kind of fits. But it's a as hall. Well as a Hall of Fame. There's no hall. That's what I, I think hall is the problem. But I think fame. it should be a big square room rather than a long rectangular hall. The square room of fame? The square room of fame. What is the square room of fame? Two. There you go. Well, Jim, you may or may not be going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year, but perhaps they would induct you without your permission. They would just say, we own this vast library, this catalog, those years that he was the caregiver for Mr. Fuji. We could just put all of this on TV, make some video packages, and induct Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. What would you do? Well, in that case, I would have to call upon the man, the myth, the legend who actually helped Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express copyright Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express so that nobody else in wrestling can use it no more. And I'm talking about this man. Call Stephen P. That's right, and we got the certificates, as Aunt Lola would say, to prove it, that Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express is trademarked by yours truly, along with Dennis Condry, Stan Lane, and now the family of Bobby Eaton. So don't anybody get jumpy out there, because you could be hauled into court and slapped around about the head and face, just like... Those folks down in Louisiana, did you hear about the Intergy Company chairman, Brian? The retiring, the man who's just stepped down as the chairman of Intergy, the avaricious cretin that uh, has stepped down after chaos ensued with his Energy Company. He made $17 million, million for a salary in 2021, and he leaves the company in shame, I might add, with $43 million worth of their stock. At the same time, there were 350,000 residential customers and 17,000 businesses who lost power anywhere from one week to three weeks due to their negligence during the hurricane because they can pay this guy $17 million a year to run some kind of slipshod operation, a sloppy shop, as they say, but they couldn't reinforce the towers down there to withstand 94-mile-an-hour winds. 
we're about to get 50 mile an hour wind gusts here in Louisville for a rainstorm. Imagine what a hurricane can do. And it was only 94 miles an hour. Boom. All those people lost power, starving, shivering, literally dying in the streets. Probably I mean, the smell alone of the dead bodies in the streets all over the cities of Louisiana would have gagged a maggot off a gut wagon. But this guy gets $17 million salary and $43 million in stock. Well, I guarantee you that Stephen P. knew at newlawoffice.com 888-692-8084 is going to have a variety of those 43 millions of dollars that he's going to be giving out to a bunch of those people who lost their power as a result of their greediness down there. There's a hearing, a major hearing coming up in a couple of days in New Orleans about certifying the class action suit. And meanwhile, across the country, over in West Virginia, there is currently actively underway, and that's a nautical term, I know, but it's also a legal term, actively underway a mass litigation panel against 75 different defendants, part of the multi-district litigation against the consulting company McKinsey in San Francisco about the opioid situation and newlawoffice.com at 888-692-8084 filing cases in New York, Ohio, Tennessee, and LA, not Los Angeles, but Louisiana on behalf of the dear little opioid addicted babies. So that's what Stephen P. New is doing to shake the world up and make it a safer place. What about you folks? If you've got something he needs to shake up, Give him a call, 888-692-8084. That's right, Stephen P. New. We'll tell you more about him at the end of the show. A great man. But Jim, a few more questions before we get out of here. This was sent on Twitter using the hashtag corny drive through from the one called CJ. It's an article about Tony Khan by Aiden Gibbons. On Cultaholic, Tony Khan reveals how he has changed his AEW booking process since Full oh Gear. Have you been following whatever this is? I I didn't follow it. I didn't see the breadcrumb trail. Uh, apparently, he was just interviewed on WTF with Mark Marin, so he was a busy man out in Los Angeles, lots of meetings. He revealed that he changed the layout of his booking sheet, and it has allowed him to be more organized. Right, here's a quote. I had a process. I already had a schedule of what I had planned week to week in different stories with different matches and segments. At some point, I just inverted it. I realized I should tip this over. Instead of looking at the dates and building it out, I kind of flipped what the column was and what the rows were and put the columns where the rows were, and now I organize everything like this since full gear, and now I feel like I'm more organized. <laughs> Even though it's all the same information, it's just looking at it differently. It really helps. I was already doing that, and we just kind of had that, but I had it the other way, where it was looking at the shows, and I had Please where stop. the columns were. <laughs> Please stop. I'm not done yet. Don't you want to hear the complete thing? Keep going, then. I had where the columns were, and out here where the wrestlers, excuse me, out here were the wrestlers, the different wrestlers, and stories, for some reason, and I don't know why, I shouldn't, it shouldn't, I can't even read this, it shouldn't make that big of a difference flipping it, the flow working down the page, it works a lot better, and it works a lot better. 
And basically the same thing I was doing, I just flipped the page around and it helped me be even more organized. What are your thoughts on Jim on the process that Tony Khan has done to change his booking since full gear? Have you ever thought about changing your columns? Maybe you would have had more success at different points in your career if you had just I, if gone I from just horizontal to vertical. Downwards instead of crossways. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, at this point, is it kicking a puppy? Is it? He's obviously a good-hearted person. <laughs> he's, I, I mean, he's obviously very kind and charitable, and and. He really cares about people, and he genuinely thinks he's doing a good job. And he spent a lot of time in his room with his notebooks making columns. I did, too. I used to book 14 match cards, and with all the top wrestlers in the business, in dream matches, because they worked in different territories and they would never cross paths, and then I would type them up and I would actually type them up on a, on a piece of typing paper so I could cut it in strips and make it like a long newspaper ad, like the ad was with all the matches from top to bottom, from main event to opening match. I did all that when I was 12 because it was fun. But uh, tens of millions of dollars were not being spent on real live people to do those things and to put those things on television. I mean, I feel every, it's starting to be to the point where I feel bad for him every time he talks to people because I start cringing thinking, what? You know the boys. I mean, some of the modern wrestlers, maybe they think this is normal. But any of the boys that have been around for a while, they've got to be thinking, what the fuck? This fucking guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but this is the But he's not the one to compete with WWE is what a lot of them walk away No! That's the The columns, the columns going down and now more organized. Your medication is what apparently is depending on whether you're organized or not, Tony. It's not the columns going down or up or whatever. This, it is, it's a, it's the, it's the toy with Richard Pryor come to life. It's a real life Richie Rich movie where he's playing with real action figures and the tens of millions of dollars are like, you know, when I, I used to lose $1,562 running Lenore, North Carolina. Oh, shucks. It was like, Oh, we'll just, that guy's mad at the other guy and they had a fight in the locker room. Well, we can't have that. I'm going to send a guy home and pay him tens of millions of dollars or whatever the fuck. Multiple times. I, I I don't I don't know. I'm I I have no I have no answer for what you just read, and I have no finish for this bit. I'm I'm gobs. Well, forget about a bit. Looking at this objectively, can you see a situation where any Booker, maybe not everyone's as organized as you. I mean, there's a reason Flair wanted you on that booking committee, where a change to the way you write down your formats could improve things. Like something like that could trigger something to. Well, 
I mean, I've I've talked about that if, when you're writing television, especially without a staff of writers, a booker. I was always over prepared with paperwork, but it was because the and the announcers needed to know this, and the technical crew needed to know this, and the wrestling talent needed to know this, and here's a list of pre-tapes, and here's where they go into the program so you can see what you're talking about. Has it already happened or is it yet to happen? Then you can't talk about shit like that. That's very complicated. I'm not saying it's not. But Tony just thinking that he, suddenly he's reached clarity in his booking because he, instead of writing things down top to bottom, he writes them out left to right or whatever. No, this is... And the way he expresses these things also is... I can see where a lot of the guys think, oh boy, this is the promised land. I can retire off of this motherfucker. He's just happy to be here and he's thrilled at all that. Let's pat him on the back and we'll all be farting through silk for the next 10 years. But it's, can you imagine Vince McMahon again coming out and saying, I'm so thrilled. I've come up with a new way to organize my booking. I'm going to go up and down instead of side to side. And again, he's, was, he's, he's played. This is his hobby. He's playing. This has been his dream. He's playing with this. He's having a ball pushing all these figures around on his, on his little checkerboard there. That's all I can say. That is one of the realities. I think a lot of people don't want to see is that whatever you think of WWE, it's run like a business and maybe run like a business where one shareholder is the only person that matters but it's run like a business. If AEW makes money or not, it really doesn't matter because it was going to be Tony Khan's project. It wasn't, I'm going to start a wrestling company and I want to run it seriously like a business and matter on a main stage, let alone compete. It was, I'm going to have a wrestling company so I could run it. And I can spend my inheritance while my dad's still around to pat me on the back. And enjoy seeing me doing it. I don't know how much he's patting him and enjoying it. I mean, well, I don't know. And I, I mentioned this to you earlier, and I'll, I'll bring it up again now. A lot of people on the internet were commenting about that Tony had, had announced or commented that they had grossed $100 million in revenue this year. And everybody immediately took that run. Well, see, they've made $100 million. No, and let's try to give people a little primer in business. You don't make $100 million if you gross $100 million. You gross $100 million, and, and if whatever, you could make $98 million profit, or you could go in the hole, depending on how much money you spent while you were grossing the $100 million. So we have not yet heard. And again, somebody's got all cornet now. They, they grossed $100 million. And he's bitching and complaining about it. I'm not. That's amazing. Truthfully and honestly, I don't know how the fuck they held it together to do that with all the fucking chaos. But it's not making $100 million. We don't know that he made any money because they were talking about operating at a loss because of the video game that apparently now would fucking shame the greatest vampires in Transylvania on amount of blood. And so they can't get it rated right or whatever. But again, they grossed a hundred million dollars and you can also 
gross a hundred million dollars by spending two hundred million dollars. That's my fucking joke. I've been doing it for ten years. What's the the easiest way in wrestling to make five million dollars? Start out with ten million. So we don't know what's going on there, but to when you just I can't even imagine how to begin tallying up the money that Tony Khan is spending on talent that gets paid, even whether they ever see them or not. And we went over the fact that there's over a hundred of them, male and female, the constant upgrades in television production, flying everyone all over the place, flying everyone all over the place, doing a thing while there's, they're still on the same TV deal that they were on a couple of years ago. And they're still drawing approximately the same gates that they, you know, their their TVs are down a little bit from where they were, but the pay-per-views do good. But it's not like there's a, a bit of massive jump. So the the money, the point is, the money that he's spending, that as I have said before and said to Kerry Silken one time in Ring of Honor, if you didn't have these six guys with the fans set the seats on fire, Tony Khan could easily save seven figures a year without the general public ever knowing that he had done it by just cutting some of the people on contract that you never see to begin with. So we don't know how much money he spent. He gave all these people multiple times more money than they'd ever seen before. That's the other thing. He negotiated against himself whether he realized it or not. Yes, he negotiated up. The, you know, he, he started out, I'll offer you this. Oh, well, shit. They would have taken half in some cases when they first got started. I talked to a few of the people. And then they said, well, oh, well, let me give you more. So we'll see what the bottom line is whenever we find out whether they stay in business or not or how long, whatever. But they didn't make $100 million. The WWE, was the WWE's profit? On a gross of over a billion dollars last year, was it much more than a hundred million dollars? I'm not sure. I'm actually going to see if I can quickly find World Wrestling uh, Entertainment's net profit fell 39.27 percent since last year, the same time period, to 38.8 million in quarter four. So that's only for one quarter. So it's probably that's over a hundred million. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, they may be 100, 150 million in profit on a over over a billion dollars in gross. So to make a hundred and, and they run a bit of a tighter ship than Tony does. So to make a hundred million dollars, Tony would have had to gross over a billion dollars. And we, I think we know that's not the case. So we'll see what happens. Well, Jim, it wouldn't be, I feel like old Farber on CNBC, David Faber, him too. All right. You seem more like a Carl Quintanilla kind of guy. Well, that's only because I can say Quintanilla. That still makes you so happy. Jim, it wouldn't be an episode of the drive-thru or the experience without you trending. You're trending right now. Would you like to guess while you're trending? What? No. Okay. Uh, no, because I have no idea this time. All right. Let me see where this all seems to be stemming from. I'm, I'm going to turn on the Twitter machine, too. Did you tweet out something about Kota Ibushi today? Oh, that was early this morning. Yeah, somebody else had a tweet, uh, a clip of one of his uh, classic matchups with the fucking blow-up sex toy. And I said, hey, for all the dipshits that they, oh, it'll be great. We can get the great Kota Ibushi and AEW. Well, here's 
one of his classic matches. This guy's worse than fucking Harpo. At least Harpo can, every once in a while, can fucking come up with something that makes us laugh. That was it. So that's, that's basically what, yeah. It, it, it basically, yeah, Ibushi is the shits. Here he is exposing the business, wrestling a sex doll evenly, competitively, and fuck him too, just like his friend Harpo. I trend for that. Yeah, because apparently a lot of people don't like that. You know, of course, it gives people a lot of chance, even if they if they know why or not, to whip out the video of you versus Kawabunga. You mean a, a living, a living, breathing human, a living, breathing human. Oh my God, they can't get it yet, can they? And uh, yeah, and everybody says, "Oh, Kota Ibushi is well," but it's because they bought Uncle Dave's bullshit, and they think he's he's so great. He's a fucking disrespectful piece of shit, like his fucking ex tag team partner Harpo, and they both deserve the same response from me. That's why they get it. But if they want to trend me again over that big shit. Well, Jim, let's move on from Kota Ibushi. Our next question sent to CourtneyDriveThru at gmail.com from Eddie G. All signs point to Cody beating Roman at WrestleMania. But at Mania, Roman will be very close, not exactly sure the number, to breaking the all-time record for holding the championship. It seems like it would benefit the WWE to have a current guy hold the record because I don't think the names Morales... San Martino, Backlund, and even Hogan mean much to current fans, and even less to future fans. After such an amazing title run to go this long and end it right at the cusp of breaking the record seems like a wasted opportunity. Do you make the title change, or swerve everyone, and have Roman win, eventually get the record, and Cody beats the longest reigning champion ever? At SummerSlam. What? Back up. Pump the brakes. How is, is he the longest reigning champ ever? How, what, what starting point are they using since 1990, whatever the fuck? Or San Martino held it for eight fucking years. But there's nobody going to be even close or ever get there. So there's never going to be a longest reigning, reigning champion of all time. So what metric are they using here? I'm actually trying to look that up right now and see uh, where this is coming from. And Hogan held it from December, what, January of 84 to, what was it when they did the Andre thing was 88, right? So that was four years. In 2022, he became the longest reigning universal champion with his ongoing reign at 891 days plus which is recognized as the sixth longest world championship reign in the promotion's history and the longest reign of anyone since 1988. Now, that was at the... Okay. That says in 2022, so I don't know where we are right now. Oh, wait, hold on, actually. Here's an article right here. Today officially marks Roman Reigns' 871st day as Universal Champion, surpassing Gunther's 870-day NXT UK title reign. What? <laughs> This means that Roman Reigns has officially had the longest championship reign in WWE over the last three-plus decades. So there's at least that. <laughs> so what was the question again? No, I, I don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. Well, you could be the longest reigning champion since the last time we had a long-reigning champion. That's not, you know... 
I don't see why we're discussing this. Do you? I'm trying to see if there's a record of this something that Mamie Van Doren turns 92 to the, the, today. Is she still alive? Is she in her negligee at the front door waiting for you? That little story well, you told earlier? I, I certainly do, and I'd take 92-year-old Mamie Van Doren. Okay, one more thing. I'm looking here. Longest WWE title reigns in history. Pedro Morales. Da, da, da. Yeah, the, yeah, he's not even close to any of these people, so I don't understand what the... I'm so sorry that this was a question and this was a topic when it's actually... Well, there you go. You should apologize. I think you ought to make it up to people. Cody and Roman booking. Is there any way you swerve people and you try to go to SummerSlam or is that Lex Luger? I'm afraid they're getting to Lex Luger because you get them, you get them right there where they want it. You get them right there where they want it. And then you don't give it to them. You expect them to come back and see it later on. Maybe they fucking get tired by then. That's what happened with Luger. And then Vince had time to change his mind and et cetera, et cetera. Again, I think Sammy needs to possibly be instrumental in it. But without actually helping Cody do it to where he comes off as a flunky, but he needs to, in some way or another, Cody and Sammy need to be showing each other uh, as much support as possible, and Sammy needs to be instrumental in validating Cody as the new champion. But yeah, I think this is the time, because you're going to miss the moment if you don't do it now. Jim, our next question sent to CourtneyDriveThru at gmail.com from Mikey B. in Philadelphia. I've been reflecting on Jade Cargill's TBS championship run and was curious, how would you book her losing the TBS championship? She's been the most dominant woman on AEW and can't just lose to anyone. Would you book her to lose trying to go after the main woman's title? Or would you try to build up a contender to take it from her? Or would you prefer she drop the title to a cattle prod? I'd love to. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! <laughs> I'd love to hear how we you... have. We no, no, wait. A we have no evidence whatsoever that Jane Cargill uses the Diddleator Mach Three. No, we don't. And I'm sorry that Mikey B brought that up. But what are your thoughts on what do you do with Jade? Fifty wins, no losses, <sighs> a championship, but not the main one. Well, at this point, I mean, you know. They could have, when they brought in one of their major female acquisitions, they could have pulled the trigger on doing it then to get the new acquisition over. But as we've seen, they dropped the ball on all the new acquisitions, uh, Soraya, Ruby Soho. So that would have wasted it. I don't know if there's a woman in the company that particularly needs to do it right now. If so, would it maybe be either Britt Baker just because she's the the one that they've the the OG AEW girl star or Jamie Hayter because she's maybe the next one but they haven't even teased any interaction but so that's yeah Jane just keeps beating up the same girls and or girl flunkies job girls but is there anybody you want to really see her get in the ring with that that people are clamoring for the oh i can't wait to see jane against so-and-so they're not really saying that are they i don't think so i mean i think people are into the spectacle of jane jane jade now you got me doing it although we saw that the ratings kind of died this week when her match was on with red velvet but the people who like women's wrestling and AEW women's wrestling really like her but 
Who are you going to book her against? I hate to say it. She fits in, maybe not work-wise, just because she's not there yet. And it's a different system. There's no system in AEW. But look-wise, size-wise, she fits with a Rhea and a Bianca. Yeah. More than the women in AEW. Right? You talk about boy. Who, can a, who can a future opponent be for a Rhea Ripley? If you can get Jade in there and she can, you know, we, we still well, don't even know what she can do. Hold on now. That's the thing is, uh, the potential of her, she's been in the business now, what, two years since they debuted her, but she's had, what, you know, three months worth of matches in that time. She would she would have to spend quite a bit of time at the Performance Center, not, not even maybe for the in-ring as much as for how to think about wrestling in, you know, in, with big boy pants on instead of the, you know, indie-rific set that she's been learning from so if she would not be an instant success and that and at her age she either needs to make that jump and do it quickly and get the right training and take a chance on being one of the biggest female stars on the planet for real or because she doesn't need money and she's married and doesn't need to work that hard stay there where she can be put over and bring her daughter out, celebrate with her on TV. Um, which is probably now that I've said that all out loud, considering everything, probably the best thing she can do because there's no guarantee she'd make it in the WWE. She'd have to go through the training program. She'd have to relocate to, well, wherever she, if she's not in Orlando, she'd have to relearn how to think about most everything that she's been taught. But I she, think she she's an athlete. She is. But she's an athlete, so you never can rule it out. And but, she, but 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 whoa, hold on! But because uh, she's an athlete, does that mean at her age right now and just starting in something that she is enjoying that she'd want to go all the way back to fucking boot camp and spend a couple of years to get established in no. in you know in the WWE and and retrain and etc. when she doesn't need the money? Well, let me ask you this. Would you put the main AEW women's title on her and have the other women fight for the TBS championship? That's what it is. Um, because otherwise, wh- why do you have the most dominant person in the division is the secondary title holder. She never gets a title shot. The only people she ever wrestles are like the people who used to be her friends, and then she just beats the shit out of them. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, she can't wrestle for the women's title unless she wins it, and they don't want to put it on her, because then how are they going to take it off of her without beating her, and then she'd have everything. Because they kind of, they put the fucking TBS title on her, and then they've kept the undefeated up, so now what What the fuck else are they going to do? Unless she just beats all the girls. So uh, they've kind of work themselves in a corner here. I mean, where's Statlander? She's hurt again. She just had another ACL redone. But the thing is, they instead of an undefeated streak by somebody like MJF or even somebody like a Hobbs or whatever the fuck that they could build, she she got the undefeated streak just because when they started her, she was too green to really get beat without killing herself off. And now they've just kept it up. And it'll be interesting to see if she gets job face whenever it actually happens. Well, Jim, our final 
question here. Get your thoughts on this. Several people have sent this in. It's a quote from Michael Cole on the Pat McAfee show. The last 15 minutes of the event Saturday night, Pat and I didn't say a word. We did not utter a sound. When Sami Zayn turned on Roman Reigns and hit him with the chair, that pop was enormous. This Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Bloodline, Sami Zayn storyline is probably the best television we've done in a decade. It's Emmy-worthy in many ways. So what are your thoughts on that quote from Michael Cole? Well, the announcers laying out bothers the shit out of me. But it's a Vince thing that he's obviously not there producing that. We know he wasn't at the Rumble, but it's a Vince thing that he started and that when the announcers lay out and don't speak and just let what's going on play out in front of you, that somehow makes it a shoot and more important or whatever. And then I always think, uh, you know, if we're at the Super Bowl and suddenly a fucking ambulance drives out on the field and runs over three or four of the players, are the announcers going to lay out? Are they going to make a remark? But that's what that's why when Michael Cole said, oh, we didn't even speak a word for the last 15 minutes because they considered that somehow a positive thing for this moment. There are these moments that they have. It always drove me crazy. No, the announcers are there to talk about whatever the fuck's going on, and hopefully they would be able to talk about it and make it even more realistic with their verbiage than the pictures that you're seeing in front of them. But nevertheless... No, it's great wrestling, but it ain't, no, not only should it not get an Emmy, but if it was ever nominated for an Emmy, my head would explode. That's what people who hated wrestling would say and or do 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, they ought to nominate them for an Emmy. Or yeah, they ought to give them acting awards. That's an insult. You don't want people talking about, wow, he was really fake so good. You want the desired effect, if it's possible to attain anymore, is you want, say what you want about the rest of that phony wrestling, but those guys were mad. Or that shit he meant, or whatever. That's what, at the best, that's what you could hope for these days, because everybody knows that, for the most part, the majority of it's bullshit, but you can hope for that. But to nominate something in wrestling for an Emmy Award would be disrespectful and just the biggest bunch of bullshit that I've ever fucking heard of. Is it the best television WWE has done in a decade? Now that I couldn't argue. It probably is. I wish I wish more of it actually, you know, happened in the ring. But uh, but yes, I'll listen to the Bloodline talk and interact with Sami Zayn before pretty much almost anything I've seen regularly in the last 10 years in the WWE. If Roman Reigns' schedule gets cut back anymore, if he books a big acting gig, whatever it is, how's that Friday night show going to survive? That, I don't know. Because, again, the depth is... It's so shallow at the top. You've got Roman and Brock and fucking Cody will be there. And Lashley's been holding on by a thread because of the way they've been using him. And who's their other dependable main event guy that I'm forgetting about? 
Or am I? Or is there? There isn't. There you go. Mm. There could be, but there isn't now. It's kind of like when Barnett sat down in March that year at the WCW booking committee meeting and say, how are we going to draw money next month? Went around the room and finally got to me. I said, we're not. We're not going to draw any money in May. We're not going to draw any money in June. But if we start right now and we do a real good job, we can draw some money in July. And they didn't like that answer. But guess what? We didn't start then. We didn't draw any money. In, we didn't draw any money in April or May or June, and we didn't draw any money in July. And we didn't draw any money again until 1996. 1996. It was six years later, as a matter of fact, is when we drew the money. Well, I don't know if this Shaw is the Shaw. If this show is drawing the money or this Shaw. Well, speaking of Shaw's. This has nothing to do with Mike Shaw, but the show is over, Jim. Let's get a song or two, because people went crazy about last week's song. Yeah, oh, that was fantastic. Had a few submissions for the theme song contest. Here is one from Rocky the Ramon. Let's go to this. Rocky! Then come and hang out with me. We'll drink Sprite Zero and Jim will tell us about how pro wrestling should be. But only if you listen to the experience. It's the Jim Cornette experience. I'm starting to think Rocky's on acid. I know, I know, you'll probably scream and cry that you represent the key demo. But who in your markish little world are you trying to prove that to? It's the you worst know thing more than Jim and you uh, can't learn from him. So you better listen to the experience. It's a Jim Cornette experience. Well, Oh, now they're gonna prove it to you. You know... Whoa! I really like Rocky the Ramon. I stopped that. Uh, it goes on for a little while longer, but this is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I like Jimmy Hendrix, but this is horrible. This is so bad. It, uh, hey, don't, don't eat the brown Sprite, man. Uh, eat the brown Sprite? Well, only every once in a while. All right. Well, that was Rocky the Ramon. Thank you, Rocky. <laughs> We appreciate you didn't your... get over with Brian this week, Rocky. That was rough. That was uh, very, very rough this week, but Rocky submitted many great songs in the past. Let's see if this next one gets over. Here is one for the song contest. This one is about Mama Cornette from Dr. Zayas. Mama Cornette 
It's a 70s black exploitation soundtrack. stop this because it's just playing <laughs> off sounds like it could well, have been I'm a hit for the say- village people there but we have the lyrics here in case you were wondering mama cornet always used to say worthless as gum on a big boot heel mama cornet always used to say porch lights on but no one's home mama cornet always used to say he could start a fight in an empty barn are these actual qu- i don't remember any of these are these actual mama cornet quotes <laughs> I love the music <laughs> and, and the vocal stylings were very unique. Mama Cornette never said any of those things. <laughs> Not once in her life. I never heard her say any of those things. All right. But we thank you for your interest. Thank you very much for your it's interest. Sa- it did of the village people. Come on. That sounded like a Richard Roundtree movie from 1972. Come on. All right, well, let's get one more. Let's end on a positive note. This one was sent to CourtneyDriveThru at gmail.com from Finland. Jerry Iconen, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, or Jerry Iconen. This song was recently recorded by the long-lost Finnish cousin of the Anawai family, Jerry Uso, <laughs> on a 12-year-old laptop with a free-to-download audio recording program and a shitty-ass microphone. It's a diss track of Sami Zayn to the tune of Roman Reigns. All right, let's just play this. Roman, 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 Roman. <laughs> Big dog, tribal chief, head of that table, Roman. Acknowledge his doggy style. <laughs> I don't know what I stopped it. It goes on for a while. I'm not exactly sure what this is. I didn't pre-screen this. Then uh, it could accompany a human sacrifice. I'm not sure. Okay, keep going. Yo. Listen. Listen. Yo. This Jerry Uso of the bloodline. Come on, come on, who is Sammy Uso and what is he thinking? I take one look at him, my penis be shrinking. Does this place the ass what do I think he's a mowing? I'ma put him in his place with my rhymes that be flowing. What is the island of relevancy, not the island of the homeless? Look at this guy. What has happened to the song contest? What is going on here? Is this Lior under an assumed name? I... I mean, it has nothing to do with you or anything with the show. It's a diss track. 
<laughs> apparently for Sami Zayn by Jerry Uso, who's putting down the white people. He's from Finland. <laughs> They're pretty pale over there in Finland from what I've seen, aren't they? Nice accent there, Jerry. But uh, thank you very much for that song. We put that in the used pile. Right, one more. Let's see if this ends us on a happy note. This one was sent. Corny drive through at gmail.com. Outlaw Pete. Why do I watch wrestling tonight? I had a feeling that it would be shy. I'm so sick of everyone using jazz. There's some things growing the steel stairs. Lattice to the left. Stop for a second. How many people have sent in parodies of this song for some reason? We've had at least two of these on the air already, haven't we? Stuck in the middle with you. You can't win over there today. I'm glad it's your soundboard, not mine. Watching this shit again. Wondering if it gets any worse. Someone's gonna leave in a hearse. Oh, and it just stopped on its own this time. And it stopped on its own. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Outlaw Pete. Very good. That's that's why he's an outlaw. It's a mud show song. It stops in the middle. I'm looking at here's a submission from South Africa. I tend to listen to the show in bits and pieces. I don't think this has anything to do with the show. I think he just sent his own music. Well, let's see. Let's see who this is. I should say who this is from. This is from... Send the corny drive through at gmail.com. <laughs> from. <laughs> what? <laughs> from. I may be getting this wrong. Coney Detroit. Here's his song. Hello again, friends. And you are our friends. And welcome back to another happy, happy, happy edition of Jim Cornette's drive through right here. Boy, did I pick the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. But let's start out briefly going through the rest of the program. Because there was one amazing performance that you could put in a time capsule. And, I, you know, this, this might have been, I hate to spoil anything for anybody, but this might have been the week that they were lucky that the news from the main event overshadowed everything else about this. I'm going to stop this one. We're just listening to ourselves. I think we're listening to ourselves here at this point, aren't we? Well, the backing music was nice. Thank you, uh, de Detroit. <laughs> With that, the drive-thru is closed. I give up. There'll be more of this kind of action next week here on this show. And, of course, this weekend on the Jim Cornette Experience, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget, you can access full episodes, clips of the episodes, Omnibus collections. This may be a good episode. Just check out clips. <laughs> go, to the, go to the YouTube and just look for the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. If you put Jim Cornette in the search engine, it'll come right up. Full episodes, clips, everything else. The official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. Patreon.com slash Cornette gets you access to the archive. Going back to 2013, the drive through any experience. Going back to 2013. Patreon.com. All the way back to 2013? 2013, that's a long, 10 years. Wow, you've been doing this a while now. You can follow Jim on Twitter at TheJimCornette. You can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast. 
at 605pod.com or available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget about the wrestling news at thewrestlingnews.com or once again, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Cornette's Collectibles at jimcornette.com. What's going on, Jim? Nothing. At jimcornette.com. The drive through is brought to you by the law office of Stephen P. New, 888 692 8084. Get even with Stephen at newlawoffice.com. But until this weekend on the experience, and next week right back here on the drive through for Jim Cornette, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally ho! Well, it's Jim Cornette's drive through. Yes, it's Jim Cornette's drive through. Please shut up and listen while Corny is shooting. Yes, while Corny is shooting on Big Fucking Putin and those outlaw macho fucks. Joey Ryan, the young bucks, the rednecks and dumb fucks, and them door corner bum fucks. And then there's Jelly Janella and Santino Marella, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman. Corny's drive through. Corny's drive through. Through. Well, it's all elite wrestling. Tony Khan is investing his millions of dollars in some dumb cosplay wrestlers. Yeah, they think they are wrestlers in video games just like Kenny Omega. To the pro wrestling for which he stands. No blow up dolls, kick spots, or dance routines with blood, sellouts, and shoot angles for all. And have you heard about Riho? She weighs 45 kilos and she's their champion. She's a Japanese schoolgirl. All the Japanese schoolgirls like Kenny Omega love to play with his Sega. Yeah, they play with his Sega. You need to sue the guy for you, Steven Pierre. Everybody, Tony's drive-through. Tony's drive-through. Tony's drive-through. Tony's drive-through. And now, here are your hosts, Jim Cornette and the great Brian Lass.